like scary movies. Uh huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. We are, we are, we are, we are children. That's the song at the end of the movie. Uh, the movie, which is uh, Scream, the 1996 film directed by Wes Craven. Surprise, everyone. Happy New Year. We're doing the Scream retrospective. Is it the whole franchise leading up to the next Scream film, Scream 5, titled Scream? We don't know yet, frankly. We're, we're going to talk about that, too. Uh, hello, I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me is my co-host, Matt Garingo. That's me. I am the co-host, Matt Garingo. Scream is a 1996 American slasher film directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson. The film stars Neve Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, and Drew Barrymore, kind of. Released on December 20th, it follows Sidney Prescott a high school student in the fictional town of Woodsboro, California, who becomes the target of a mysterious killer in a Halloween costume known as Ghostface. The film combines black comedy and whodunit mystery with the violence of the slasher genre to satirize the cliches of said genre popularized in films such as Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Craven's own A Nightmare on Elm Street. Scream was considered unique at the time of its release for featuring characters aware of real-world horror films and openly discussed the cliches that the film attempted to subvert. Did you say Neve Campbell? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I thought it was Nev Campbell. It probably is. I've always been saying Neve, though. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't know why. There's not two E's in there. There's nothing to, like, accentuate that, that second E. Um, yeah, that's so strange. You might be wondering why. I read straight off the Wikipedia page for this film. Is it because, because for some reason David Arquette is ranked the highest on there? Yeah, I, I switched it. I hope you caught that. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's because it's alphabetical order, but... Yeah, but um, Nev Campbell is really good in this. And I read off the Wikipedia page because this is one of those films on the retrospective that everyone just knows and talks about. I, I think there's plenty of stuff to go read up on with Scream. It might mm-hmm. genuinely be a bad idea to do the Matrix and Scream retrospectives back to back like this. It might be, but we'll we'll see. Hopefully this one um will ha- will similarly end on a high note. Do you think so, Diego? We'll talk about that. I am optimistic. Um who the hell is even doing the new one? I have, I have just like have I have not seen attention. Ready or Not. Oh, yeah, that was a solid movie. So, uh, those guys? Yeah, yeah. They didn't right, write I'm... this one or Ready or Not. So, oh. it's, I think their direction will, like, shine through. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about the trailer, if you want. This is coming out two weeks before the release of the new film. Mm. Um, I have not... I, I saw the trailer where, like, they used, like, smart devices. Like, yeah. Which was like people were kind of dunking on it, but I was like, "That's not like a bad idea." Like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know, like it, that's fine. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck people want. I mean, apart yeah. from like some people just not wanting Scream without Wes Craven, which, truthfully, if you had asked me, I wouldn't have touched it. Yeah, I feel this is like the Matrix is the Wachowski sisters projects. Mm-hmm. I think Scream is very much Wes Craven. Is this a, like, situation where, like, someone just got the rights to scream because the fucking uh, Weinstein brothers are desperate? 
Oh, what happened to those guys? <laughs> no, <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> no, the, um, I I don't know. I thought about that, and I was like, no one's talking about that, so that's probably not the case. But it, it might be. Who knows? It it's not produced by Dimension Films, and I believe all the other ones are. All the other yes. ones are by the Weinstein's on some level. Yes. And then this one is like also the first one without them. But there was also a TV series, which, which was will not be with them. Uh, yeah, we, we will not be covering the Scream show. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, I've heard the first season's tons of fun, though. Yeah, I've heard it was solid. Yeah, from, like, lots um, for of what people. It, for what it was. Yeah. I think it's just that thing of, like, other than American Horror Story, it's hard to do, like, long-form horror television. A, a fucking Hannibal, how dare you? Yeah, but, like, it lasted three seasons. Yeah, I, I guess so. It, but, like, holy fuck, those three seasons. Yeah, yeah, no, they're great. Yeah, and it was, no, but that's, no, like, I, also I one. Saying, yeah. That's also one where just by the content of the show, you can tell no one was paying attention. Yeah, like, they were like, "Oh they yeah, just sure, snuck. do a TV version of Silence of the Lambs." It's like, no, yeah. we're just we're we're doing the Hannibal Lecter character. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 that's great. Everyone loves Anthony Hopkins, and then the producers saw like the the final cuts, and they were like, "What have you done?" <laughs> I feel like it's one of those ones where like executives for months were just like, "Wow, a lot of young people are tweeting about this show. It must be very good." And they're like, yeah, just, just don't worry about it. And then at some point, someone checked in. Yeah, and they were like, holy shit, what have we you put t- this on primetime television. <laughs> you know, cut to, like, the angel with flesh wings. I will say, I like the uh, poster for the new Scream that just says the killer is on this poster. Yeah, that's fun. That's a that's a fun idea. Um, and some although, like, I don't... Ooh. I don't know. It, it's gonna be... Uh, I worry it's going to lean a little too into, like, the, the meta-comedy of it all. Having um, seen the trailer, and we, I guess we'll just use this as an opportunity to talk about, you know, kind of being excited. I think we're both excited for it. Yeah, well, yeah, we're definitely excited. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think some people maybe uh, like, I, I think they're, like, theorizing that, like, oh, yeah, it's literally the killer because it's Ghostface on the poster. I, I, I think that would be funny, but I do think the killers, like, are on there because Scream is, yeah, like, yeah. the perfect franchise to, like play with those expectations and subvert them which everyone mm. loves to hear about yeah and there's no controversial opinions or takes about there's no really incredibly stupid is. takes about subverting expectations yeah <laughs> oh boy <laughs> i don't know it's ridiculous um do you there's... recognize any of the new young cast yes or uh yes i do because i saw in the heights and oh. <laughs> the the lead of that film, or one of the, the, the co-leads of that film. Hang on, let me open up the, the Wikipedia for the new Scream, because I didn't, I didn't do that for this. Um, her name is Melissa Barrera, and she's playing mm-hmm. a character named Sam Carpenter. Obviously, oh, boy. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, that does not bode well. Nah, I mean, like, I know everyone's tired of, like, the the referential like horror names to like certain directors like it was tired when night of the creeps did it in the 80s and her friend rachel romero <laughs> and her and her other and her boyfriend steve cronenberg yeah <laughs> and they live on like uh craven lane or something like that yeah um but like no she i i recognize her from in the heights because uh the acting's really good in that movie Mm-hmm. Is what I will say, and you know she's not the worst person to look at on screen. Um, I also recognize <laughs> Jack Quaid from The Boys. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, he, he he's, he's 
good. I like him. All yeah. right. Uh, Dylan Minnette. This is a throwback because I recognized him first as Jack's son in Lost. Oh, hey. Which is a thing that happens later. That's a spoiler, kind of, but also I didn't spoil I won't remember about. it if I ever decide to watch Lost, so don't worry. Okay. Um, well, he he's good. He's been kind of like fucking stuck in that shitty Netflix show. What the fuck? 13 Reasons Why. The oh, one yeah. that convinced kids to commit suicide or whatever. <laughs> Which is maybe like perfect casting for. Remember when Paparazzi got that about. photo of uh, P.T. Anderson and he had a copy of the book Thirteen Reasons Why in his pocket? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. What? It was like this was like two years ago. No, I, I missed this completely. It was it was uh, P.T. Anderson looking like he just fell out of a bus or something? Oh. And then he had a, a copy of that book mm. in his pocket. Um. Oh, Maybe also do research uh, for licorice pizza. No, <laughs> I still haven't seen that. That's not. I haven't seen that either. Yeah. Uh, Maybe he's uh, trying to tap into the teen mindset. No, Mason Gooding, um, who's not like a big star, but he was in Booksmart. As oh like, yeah, kind of like the, I liked the, Booksmart. The people dude. hate people hate Booksmart. I like Booksmart. I, I liked it, like it too. Like. I don't know. Like at the very least, it's like really well directed. I, I don't yeah, know it was solid. Was. You know, I, I think like. I think that's kind of like the reactionary side of like film Twitter, where it's like, oh, it's like, like they're not mad that it's like woke. I, I, it's like, I don't know. I guess, funny. but I have not like, I've heard from people that I like who don't like that movie, hmm. and I, don't, and I think maybe like it's one of those things where I didn't pay attention to the advertising at all, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I feel like maybe there was kind of like a yes queen girl boss advertising campaign. At least that's the vibe I get when I talk to some people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just went in and I just watched it. And I was like, this was like, I thought it was really funny. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's funny. And uh, Olivia Wilde turns out she's a really good director. So, yeah. you know, like I, she makes like choices with the camera. She would have been a good choice for a new screen movie, I think. Too bad she fucking broke Jason Sudeikis' of his heart. I know. <laughs> no, I don't care. I mean... Look, she goes to, ma- to become an exciting new directorial voice, and he makes Ted Lasso. It's a win for everyone. It's a win for everyone. Specifically me, who's a fan of both. I get All both right. in the divorce. <laughs> I'm also a fan of Two Harry Styles. Two Christmases. So. Yay. Anyway, none of this has to do with Scream. None of, no, none of it does. All right, so let's talk about the actual Scream film. Because right. I gotta be honest, I'm not a fan of the new Scream being titled Scream. Just yeah, that's scream. a little bit. Yeah. In a perfect world, if I was God Emperor of the Scream franchise, I'd be like, all right, good job, everyone. Now, for the title card, we're going to reveal the five at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fun, you know? What was a movie that did that? Like, some movie did that a little while back. Blair Witch? I, can't, I guess Blair Witch. Well, it, but everyone thought they were seeing The Woods. Oh, yeah. At the Comic-Con screening. Um, Remember that movie, Blair Witch? Oh, I, I've heard defenses of it. Remember that hit film, Blair Witch? It was, ah, whatever. That's, <laughs> well, I, I mean, like that director. Scream tends to be a smart enough franchise where, like, I'm willing to put money down on the very title of being, like, a gag, you know? Mm-hmm. If it's, like, repeating the same literal title, I think that is, like, intentional. 
I don't yeah. think it's like a lazy producer choice. But how much of it is like the producers are like, it's got to be called Scream, and then they write the gag around that, or if they went into it knowing that would be the gag? Hey, if the gag fucking works, it's not going to matter. So I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But Scream right. 1996. Should we now, talk about how we start, first saw it? Before we start, oh, no. I just want the audience, this is going to be a fun game, the audience is going to have to guess... What national tragedy will I use this movie as an excuse to talk about? No. <laughs> no. It's unavoidable. I don't know. Other people avoid it. Fine. I'm, I will not. Okay. <laughs> I will not be avoiding it. I'm going all in. Oh, boy. So, get ready. Okay. Get ready to turn the comment section off on YouTube. Mm, no. Well, they hide our dislikes now, which is great for our... Sugarland Express episode, which made people very angry for some reason. <laughs> what did I say? Uh, well, because we open it with like shitting on Republicans, and I guess that's the one the algorithm picked up. Oh, <laughs> so, all right. So, um, <laughs> it picked it up for the very wrong people. I guess maybe that's a movie that like only Republicans watch, like Fly Over Country. So, and I was like, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> See, so uh, Republicans, I'm technically with you on one thing only. Yeah, you got a you got a fan in me for one thing only. <laughs> Literally one. Um. All right, scream. What What is your your fucking horrendous, horrifying reference you want to make? Oh no, I'll make it later. No, it's relevant later. Oh, I wanted um, to get it out of the way, but okay. What's your history with scream? Uh, it's kind of always been there, cause. This is not a surprise. You and I are not much older than this film. Um, we, we, we got a couple years on it, but it's always kind of been there yeah. in my life. And I talked about it before, but I wasn't a big horror guy uh, mm. until, like, high school, really, right? Yeah. And, like, really, like, after, like, I turned 18, that's when I was just, like, devouring shit. But, um, so Scream was also kind of, like, in the background of, like, I recognized the ghost face costume that was totally, like like all over the place when I was growing up especially because mm-hmm. the sequels came out like pretty fast after this um do you remember the versions of the ghost face mask that had like blood on them oh yeah, yeah you could press a button to pump the fake blood through the mask yeah. they got banned from my school <laughs> they mine too <laughs> you weren't allowed to have them yeah it was it was like too much and like looking back in hindsight it's like it's just fucking kids having fun you know, yeah. like, I don't know. That's this might tie into the the point I will make later. <laughs> but there was a bit of a moral panic around the time we were in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of have a similar thing where, like, Scream was always kind of around. Um, but I did not watch it until I had a babysitter that was like, hey, you should watch Scream. Okay, so I watched them in high school. They were on, like, HBO or something. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I finally saw them. That's how I saw a lot of stuff in high school. Also, yeah. when YouTube would allow you to upload like entire like scenes oh, yeah, back from in films, the day. <laughs> yeah. And I was a little curious about that. I don't know. I'm not a big nostalgic guy, but I was like, I wonder if like people are still uploading like entire movies through like two to five minute sequences. Lo and behold. I, I haven't gone through every single one, but there's like 22 collections of videos, or a, a 22 video collection that is the entire Scream film uploaded oh, to wow. YouTube. So I'm sure that'll get taken down eventually, but I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. you know? I, w- like, it's, uh, 
I've seen that with Scream. I've seen it with uh, Lord of the Rings. You can find all three Lord. How of... many videos is that? I know it's like like uh, like five hundred videos. You can find like the entirety of Lord of the Rings up up on uh, YouTube. I've seen uh, Titanic as well. Oh, that's Another very one. funny. Um, and like you so... know, like someone some kid out there is going to watch Scream for the first time like that, and they'll be like, "Wow, this is really exciting." <laughs> now, is the Scream home video rights fucked up at all? Um, I, I don't know because it feels like their release is always a little weird but here like, here here's one thing um a lot of the the Weinstein stuff at least from from what I can tell uh so I use movies anywhere for my digital collection because you know it is convenient just press buttons I will always buy physical media when I mm-hmm. can just because like it's mine forever and no one's gonna try to take it later which is something that happens on iTunes so <laughs> fuck off. Um, also, please hire me to write Apple TV shows. Um, but anyways, um, uh, Scream 4 is not available on, like, that distribution platform. Mm-hmm. I think the, the original trilogy is, but then the original trilogy is also not available through other, like, streaming sites. I think there's, like, there's something weird with the rights, and I, I don't know what all the... Because, like, yeah, the all the is. Weinstein stuff is fucked up, like, right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, Paddington 2 almost straight up didn't get released after yeah, that that's because crazy. it tied into that. I wonder how much of it is that, like, Scream 4 was done by the Weinstein company, whereas, like, the first three Screams, I think, were still done under, like, a different group. You know, like, that was, like, Dimension under Miramax. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and there's also the weird thing with, like, you know, like, Kevin Smith can't get Dogma re-released? Did you know about this? No, 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 no. What? Because, uh... Cause, uh when when Kevin was making Dogma, the Catholic League went after it and said it was like offensive and it should be pulled because Disney was initially releasing it, like a company, a subsidiary of Disney, right? Oh, right, right, and, yeah. When when their subsidiaries made real films, so yeah, and uh, to like get around it because like it was turning this controversy where it's like Disney just kind of wants it off its books, but we still got to release it. The Weinstein's personally bought Dogma. So, like, they own the rights as a result. They bought it from Disney and then sold it to themselves for distribution. Uh, and so, like, Harvey Weinstein, like, specifically owns Dogma. That's kind of fucked up. And, like, that's why you can't get it on streaming, and that's why, like, it's not available anywhere currently. So if you got that, like, two-disc DVD, which I have <laughs> from, like, 15 years ago, <laughs> uh, you have Dogma. But also, I think it's on YouTube for free. Like, that's the other thing where, like... You can find some Weinstein movies just up on YouTube, not in the two-minute chunks, like, just entirely up on YouTube because no one's going to take it down. <laughs> There's a couple weird, like, cases like that. That's too bad, because mm-hmm. um, I've actually gone to bat for Dogma as someone who's not a big Kevin Smith movie fan. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting... It's, uh, it's one of those weird ones, like, Kevin Smith, it's a little depressing where, like, he'll occasionally stretch... And it, he'll kind of show what he could be making, and then he just always goes back to doing Jay and Silent Bob movies. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think Red State was, like, a really good, like, Kevin Smith announcing, like, I could do so much more than just stupid comedies. And I was like, go for it, Kevin. And then he did, like, one more, and then he's like, no, I'm back to Jay and Silent Bob forever. <laughs> no, he did Tusk. Yeah, yeah, he did Tusk. Did he but then Tusk? he did, like, Yoga Hosers, which is basically a comedy. Yeah. Like, and... Which, uh, uh, sorry, Kevin, not... For me, mm-hmm. also and, Tusk, which is yeah. not for me. 
I saw Tusk in a theater and Kevin Smith showed up. Oh, wow. Have we yeah, talked about this? I think we did. Okay, it might have been a while he, ago. He just talked for like 20 minutes, but it was it was interesting. I mean, like I like Kevin Smith the person as like a nerd guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, like he's I got no problems with him. Um, but like yeah, sorry Kevin. I just I wish he could with play those movies. Yeah, I just wish he was making more than this James Hall Bob stuff sometimes. No, you know? I do too cuz like even Tusk which is like a I, I'm so, that's like one of the worst films I've ever seen in a theater. <laughs> um, like there's like moments of there like where he'll do like some Hitchcockian camera move and I'm like where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. Like whoa, dude. Like I don't know, like I I want him to keep making stuff for sure. Well, Kevin, it's if especially Red State, he's doing so much crazy shit with like the digital camera work on Red State. It's like, why is not why why is Kevin Smith the one doing this? Like, yeah, I mean, now he's like producing the the Masters of the Universe sequel, series. which was was not received well. Yeah, um, by, like, by the nerds specifically. I don't know how like the general public saw it. Uh, like like critically from like people that actually use their brains and aren't just like insecure or like bad mm-hmm. people. Uh, it's apparently like fine. Like I, I, I don't think it's like a home run. Versus yeah. like, not not to to pivot too far away from screen, but like versus our beloved Shira, yeah. the Princesses of Power, which you know everyone who saw it was like, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Bring so Shira I, back, you fucking cowards. God that thing's so good. I'm like, don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but like, I just, I don't know, man. Yeah, no, no. The showrunner yeah. said they would want to do a uh, a movie. Someday, maybe. And I'm oh, like, yeah, yeah, do, do it. it. Fucking do, do it. it. <laughs> do it, you fucks. Um, but anyways, um, no, I mean, Kev- Kevin Smith is just so tied to, like, the Weinstein stuff. And but this is... So it was the Scream sequels, which is, like, really important, unfortunately. This is relevant because uh, Jay and Silent Bob are in Scream 3. Yeah. For, like, and... two seconds. And then Wes Craven is in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And in this film. Not just the director. Oh, he, yes, he's yes. in this. Uh, you know, I never knew it was him for the longest time. Like, I, I knew it was a Freddy reference because he's in the Freddy sweater. I didn't realize it was Wes Craven under a shit ton of makeup. Yeah, I didn't know that till uh, Tumblr. So, I, I again, I saw this one in high school because uh, I had a lot of friends that were super into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's easy to see why. It, it's, yeah. it's fucking tons of fun. It's tons of fun, but I also feel like it has kind of a bad reputation in some ways. In that I think it gets lumped into the, like, Whedon-esque, self-aware genre thing, you know? It totally does. We were talking about it it just before we started recording. And you were like, we should probably start recording this. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, oh, shit, yeah. Um, I definitely had, like, The Matrix. I was like, yeah, I get it. You know, like, there's enough I've gotten out of it so far. Uh, I I probably don't need to rewatch it all the time and I'm not having this huge second wave of like I need to watch Scream every day like I am with The Matrix currently because like <laughs> fuck those movies are so good um, and Scream Scream's like a fucking perfect film by the way it, yeah, yeah. there's no secret you and I were like yeah let's just talk about how perfect it is like let's yeah, Diego not Diego texted me like in the middle of him watching it and be like this movie kind of rules <laughs> yeah um, but I, I did definitely have like an experience uh, a couple years ago where I was like oh, I don't know Scream yeah who likes Scream? I'm more of a New Nightmare guy. And, like, I, I still am. I think New Nightmare is Wes Craven's masterpiece. I um, like New Nightmare. Scream is his masterpiece. Okay, no, but uh, like, I guess this, New this will be our great. point of contention. Well, guess what? Here's the thing. Like, I might put the original Nightmare above New Nightmare. I can't like, do it. I, I like, I even with, like, its flaws, I love 
uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I I do too. It's a five star fucking movie. I I did the the movie marathon of every film minus the 2010 remake uh, when we thought <laughs> COVID was gonna go away last June. <laughs> Oh yeah! And, hey. um, I gotta be. That was like the greatest fucking way to reintroduce me to theaters. That I had a fucking blast. I I'm ride or die Wes Craven, Nightmare on mm. Elm Street favorite horror franchise. You might not agree with you though, because there's a line very early in this about all the sequels suck. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, Nightmare openly is like attacking the sequels in a way. Movies mm-hmm. I love mostly. You know, even I yeah, can't yeah. really get on board with Freddy's Dead. Sorry. Everyone, that's I yeah. Don't... Freddy's Dead's kind of a mess. It's like it's you want also it to very be cheap and yeah. Uh, it's... You want it to be so much better than it is, you know. Yeah, like, we needed um... that fucking third Alice movie. That's what mm-hmm. should have. Whatever, whatever. Sorry, we're not like here to talk like, about Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I heard Wes Craven in an interview though, where he talked about like how he was writing a uh, new nightmare, and he originally had this idea for like when he was going to show up in the film that he was going to be like sleep deprived and like he had like his. Like, eyes, like, open. Like, he had, like, something prying his eyes open so he wouldn't fall asleep and, like, he looked crazy. And then he realized that would be too uncomfortable, so he, then he just wrote himself in, like, a nice house. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just kind of love about Wes Craven. Yeah, uh, that's fucking great. Um, Rest in peace, my yeah. man. Wes Craven was, was great. Here's the weird thing, though. I have a weird relationship with Wes Craven. Oh, all right. Because, well, here's the thing, like... I think of the horror guys of his era, you know, the, like, the guys that are put on the Mount Rushmore of horror, mm-hmm. I think he might have the most misses of the guys. That you know? that might be the case. Like, like I, I, again, love Wes Craven. He's got some fucking stinkers. Sorry. Yeah, he's got some bad movies. And, like, hey, you know what? Not every artist is... Michael Mann, who has mm. literally never missed on a film in his entire life. <laughs> his TV work's different. But, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, like, like we're not gonna... I don't think we'll ever do, like, a Wes Craven retrospective, because... Yeah, there, it's too uh, it's too unwieldy. Now, like, we'd yeah, be but all like, over My Soul to Take, which is his penultimate film, it's the last film he made before Scream 4, which ended up being his final film. Mm. My Soul to Take is kind of dog shit. Yeah, you know? it's really bad. Um, and I think that was the thing of, like, I was becoming a film nerd when My Soul to Take came out, and, like, I went to see that in theaters. Oh, me too! And it was, and I kind of was like, maybe Wes Craven sucks. Like, I kind of <laughs> yeah. had that for a minute. Um, another one of his, which is him reuniting with Kevin Williamson, is Cursed. Did you ever see Cursed? I've never seen Cursed. That, I Cursed. think it's the one I haven't seen. That and Cursed People is, the like... The like it's a half brilliant movie, half dog shit movie. Okay, but it's, it's really frustrating. It's it, trying to be like the werewolf version of Scream. Okay, and it's another one of those where like they, there's all these stories about how he how much he clashed with the Weinstein's on Scream, mm-hmm. and like he almost got like fired like twice while making it. And it sounds like the same thing happened on Cursed, except the Weinstein's won. Damn. Like yeah, because I think that was one where they like reshot half the fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, kind of removed all the satirical elements. Man, and that's a weird one where they uh, it was trying to be like a satire about Hollywood too. Mm. And fucking Craig Kilborn is in it as himself. And by the time it the movie was released, Craig Kilborn was already off the air. <laughs> like, wow, it was one of those weird ones. That's too bad. Um, but also, he's done like I'm not a giant fan of the original Hills Have Eyes. 
No, ne- neither like, am I. I I I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We we should also talk about uh, Last House on the Left. Both well, of those are where... very low budget. Very mm-hmm. like I just want to fucking go out and make something, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can it's, kind of and feel it's just like the energy. It is one of, of those movies that has a reputation of like you won't believe the fucking shit that's in how Last House on the Left. And then and it, you watch it and it kind of does have that Texas Chainsaw Massacre feel of like, am I gonna watch an actual murder <laughs> committed on screen? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And but then that's the other thing about Wes Craven, which is that he he was a college English professor. <laughs> I did and, not know that. And then you hear him in interviews, and he'll talk about Last House on the Left, and I'll be like, yeah, Last House on the Left was about the Vietnam War. <laughs> and I'll be like. I kind of see where you're coming from, dude, but also no. Like, <laughs> like he talks about his movies in a weird way where he's like, which I think made him perfect for something like Scream. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he's done movies like, I think, the, the super underrated Serpent and the Rainbow, which no one really talks about. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, isn't that one kind of hard to get? Yeah, it's hard to get. That and... that was um, a YouTube movie for me. yeah. It's hard to get a hold of, and it's also, like, kind of got, like, Haitian voodoo as, like, the uh, story, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, it is, you know, I'm not saying Wes Craven maybe handled it super delicately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was also written by a guy who, like, believes in it. And there's, there's like, also stories about that movie where, like, I think that guy who, either that or one of the screenwriters was like, you know, I wish I could just witness, like, a real, like, voodoo ceremony like to see what it was like and then he like disappeared for three days oh. and then when he came back he refused to talk about what happened oh god there's like all sorts of stories about that and then also uh people under the stairs which rules like it's so weird we're like i think everyone talks about with west craven they go like last house on the left hills have eyes nightmare on elm street and then scream like later and it's like, but like Serpent in the Rainbow and People on the Stairs and New Nightmare are all movies that came later, and those are like really interesting. Mm-hmm. Same with Red Eye. Red Eye is like a movie that shouldn't work and like really works. Yeah, I mean, talk, talking about like how Last Last House on the Left is is like about Vietnam. Red mm-hmm. Eye straight up like, oh, 9-11. Yeah. Like, like, it is but not here's the thing. It's like it's about nine eleven, and then Wes Craven will explain how he thought it was about nine eleven, and then you'll be like. No, but kind of. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that was the weird thing about what, like, Wes Craven kind of approached things from, like, that angle. And it's, like, so sad. He passed away, in, like, like five years ago at this point. Like, yeah, that, he, was, like, the, he felt like the first of, like, the old guard horror guys to pass away, you know? Mm-hmm. I and think like, we the, lost him and Toby Hooper in the same they were really, year. They like, were really close. Really close together. Really close. Yeah. And, like, Stuart Gordon was, like, a little, like, recently, and, like, that was a real bummer. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And then somehow John Landis is still out there. I know. But the f- it's always these fucking dog shit guys that, like, I cling know. on to life. <laughs> um, right. I, I also want to shout out uh, Paris Jetem, the mm-hmm. 2006 oh, yes. anthology film that has, like, an insane amount of talented directors that no one talks about because I guess it's not very good. I well, lied about seeing that for years because mm. that was another film that was got really popular when I was in high school, and like some girl I was like madly in love with, like high school love, not like <laughs> not like a real thing. But I was like, yeah, yeah, I love that movie, yeah, totally. You I know? mean, hey, why why do you think I went to theaters to see my soul to take? Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
we're both around the same era. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I'll check that out someday for, like, that'll be one of my last Missing Craven pieces then. All right. And they said, like, a weird, like, drama film, like, right in the middle of his uh, filmography. Uh, Music of the Heart or something like that. Music of the... Yeah, that's right. Fuck, okay, so there's three I haven't seen. Well, then he's also got, uh, like, TV movies, of course. He has a Disney film that he did, like a Disney TV movie. And then he's got, like, a a straight-up porno that he filmed. (laughs) (laughs) All these fucking... See, that's what people are missing nowadays. Now that we're we're shifting back to the puritanical bullshit, Uh you know, we need, like... The Abel Ferraras, Wes Cravens of the world to go out and film like a porno and then we get forget. started in exploitation. We forget that pornos were released in theaters for a little bit. Like, they were like, you know, and they were treated as like art for a little while. There's like a weird window. That's kind of what Boogie Nights is, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, there was a weird window where like porno was treated as real film and then the moment video hit, it just died. Yeah. Like, it's, uh,. Interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there, um, I mean, fuck, I totally lost the train of thought, but like it, something about this, ah, whatever, doesn't matter. It'll come back All to right. me. If it comes back to me, I'll talk about it some more. What do you think about Kevin Williamson? Kevin Williamson, I admire. Mm-hmm. He started a Fox show called The Following, starring yes. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> do you remember this? I think I've talked about this one before, too. I remember The Following, yes. Yeah, and it is not good. But mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, that was fun to watch at first. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, he was like, yeah, you know, not, I'm not trying to make like a high art crime thriller series. Like, I want it to be like a yeah. fun beach read. And like, you know, for an extended period of time, it kind of was. It's like, oh, Kevin Bacon's like a retired FBI agent has to catch a killer who started a cult of killers. And like, oh, he also Where's has like a pacemaker, fucker? so he can't get too intense. It's like, that's a fun, <laughs> there's like fun drama in that. Yeah. You know? There's, like, a weird mix of, like, drama and camp, you know, and, like, which I think is, like, something he does. I think fucking Brian Fuller just stole, I mean, Ryan Murphy, not Brian Fuller. Ryan Murphy, the guy who did American Horror Story. Oh, no, I'm familiar. <laughs> I think he stole a lot of Kevin Williams's thunder, because, like, he kind of just took the camp and, like, ran with it. Yeah. And, like, because Kevin Williams says interesting, we're like, it's so weird that he does I Know What You Did Last Summer after this. Mm-hmm. He wrote it, which is just, like... Like a shitty scream ripoff, almost. Yeah. Like there's not <laughs> really the that much. Guy. There's not not that much substance there, but like it removed all the like satirical elements. Mm-hmm. And then, but then he also does the faculty, which rules. The faculty's yeah. great. I know. I I just saw it. Like fuck, was it last year now? But yeah, fucking rocks. Faculty rocks. But I gotta say, it's one of these things where like, if Robert Rodriguez had directed Scream, he would have fucked it up. You think so? Like, he would have made a he would have made a good movie. He would not made as good of a movie, because Robert Rodriguez uses the faculty as like an excuse to go all in on like the genre stuff he likes. You know, yeah. Like yeah. there is straight up a scene in it that is just his version of the blood test scene from the thing. Yeah, you know. And whereas Wes Craven kind of has that distance, so like he doesn't do that, and like he knows how to keep some of the elements at arm's length, and it's not like. There are shots in the movies directly aping other slasher films, you know, even when he's even when he's referencing them. You, you know what? That might be the genius of Scream for a film that's like so like 
metatextually interested in like the relationship between on-screen violence and like teen melodrama. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's a scene where like Randy is straight up watching Halloween, and then the mm-hmm. film uses that scene to help the drama of its own scene, but there's never replicating stuff, you know? Like there's like I think the one thing that I'm I I would say is kind of like referential is like the black gloved killer, which is just like a giallo thing. Yeah, yeah. But even that's like kind of a stretch because it's not like trying to go for a giallo vibe or giallo. Yeah, it's, vibe, it's totally just like you know what was cool as shit the black love and giallo films. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's like that aesthetically that looks great, but this movie is not like a, a th- like referencing any of those. Yeah, like other like, than maybe as like a quick like that inspired the American slasher films. Yeah, um, but also like talk about that scene. It's like that's a scene where. Like, they make the joke about how the audience, like, yells, look behind you in the horror movie. And then we get Randy when he's doing that, watching Halloween. And then we cut to them in the news van, and they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it, and it turns into, like, a real traumatic suspense moment. Like, yeah. And it works, it, it works fantastically. I mean, that's something that's really, like, I was talking about how, like, I kind of put Scream aside for a while. But I've gotten really back into it over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Because, I mean, it's just a great fucking movie. But, like, the drama of it is, like, like it's a fun watch, but it's, like, kind of heavy at times. Yeah, it's, it's a fun watch, but it's also, like, it's heavy. It's dealing with some heavy stuff, but it's also, a, like, a teen melodrama. Like, it's it's totally, like, silly at the same time. But, uh, I don't know, it, it, it strikes a balance that, like, I don't know how they did it, really. Yeah, because other um, people definitely try to do, like, oh, my love let letter to scream and stuff like that and like yeah how much bullshit do we talk about where it's like oh it's very self-referential but it's yeah. just kind of like aping better things to a certain mm-hmm. point where you're like why am i just not watching that better thing well think of like a movie i like but like think of cabin in the woods you know yeah like Which... cabin in the woods is a worse version of scream in a lot of ways and that's like subtle Joss Whedon, you know. <laughs> well, that's and it, look, it's it's Drew Goddard co-writing, and Drew Goddard is kind of like Joss Whedon without the ego, apparently. Mm-hmm. And um, quite frankly, in a perfect world, we'd get like a Drew Goddard screenplay every year, because he, oh. I, I think he's a fantastic writer and direct a, a much better director than Joss Whedon was, even when I was a fan <laughs> of him. Like he just knows what to do with like the camera. And I'm not trying to make this a Drew Goddard love fest. God forbid mm-hmm. something else comes up. You're making up, up for all you know, the times like, I trapped you into defending Joss Whedon on the previous episode. I, I know, I know, I know. But <laughs> like like a movie I don't like adore, but I think is like really great at like handling suspense and and narrative. Um Oh fuck, I can't even remember the name of it, but his, his Bad his Time kind of, at the El Royale. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, like that movie. It's another one where it's like I, like I don't know, like, they're, they're, like, both those movies inspire, like, passionate hate for some reason. Yeah, I don't and, know. And, like, I get Bad Time of the El Royale, it's, like, definitely overlong. There's definitely problems. I'm not going to sit here and say it's, like, a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But, like, you know, it's it's just fun even to watch just for, like, Jeff Bridges' scenes, you know? Oh, he's so like, fucking good in that movie. He's so good in it. And, like, it's so weird that, like, people just go, like, ah, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, he's, like, trying to do, like an ensemble drama, you know? Yeah. The only other person doing that right now is, like, Adam McKay, and people are like, kill him! Yeah, they're also <laughs> trying to kill Adam McKay, <laughs> who I'm, like, the one kind of defender of. I still haven't seen Vice, and I plan on watching Don't Look Up, because, um, I don't know, I thought the trailer looked good. 
check out Vice because that that one was better. <laughs> okay, okay. I like. I don't know. I'm still the only guy defending Vice. No, no. And then I gave there. I gave Don't Look Up my version of a scathing review, which was three stars. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, everyone else is like one half a star. Like mm-hmm. I'd give it no stars if I could. Yeah, like, I, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. This is the and I just I felt some of the takes were kind of bad, but also like I'm not going to go. It's not a movie I'm willing to go to bat that hard for. Yeah, as opposed to Vice, which like I will kind of go to bat for. Um, yeah, but, I mean uh, to, to talk about your thing about how like if uh, if you're too close to a subject, maybe that doesn't mean you're the best person to talk about it, right? Mm. Like I mean that's kind of like like what you're talking about with Scream, where it's like if you you got like a guy who like, adores every aspect of the genre and just wants to make their, like, love letter to it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes love letters work out great, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, West Side Story, which I just saw, um, which is the best film of 2021, mm-hmm. is, like, a love letter to Spielberg's love of the musical, but also, like, its own thing, its own adaptation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got its own merits. Well, I always think of something like, like Rob Zombie with House of a Thousand Corpses versus Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. Like House of a Thousand Corpses is just him doing like every horror thing he knows, you know? Yeah. Like, and that movie's kind of a mess. And that's not entirely his fault. Like he lost control of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not like, you can't even feel like the hidden gem underneath. But then you watch Devil's Rejects and that one, he was very openly like, I was, he was more inspired by like Westerns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And when you watch the movie from that angle, it like works better that he wasn't just trying to do like his horror reference movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and Devil's Rejects, I, I, that's to me his masterpiece. And I, I'm a Rob yeah. Zombie fan for sure. But the, mm-hmm. the point I wanted to make was like, Don't Look Up, you know, it's co written by David Sirota, who is like a, a hard left wing guy. Mm-hmm. Um, who is extremely online, mind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's also, like, not, like, a known screenwriter. And maybe that probably attributes to some issues in the new Adam McKay film. I don't yeah. know. I haven't seen it yet. It might contribute to why a movie that should have been 90 minutes was two and a half hours. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, because they, they, they had a lot they wanted to say. <laughs> and also, you can say things visually. And I yeah, think yeah, that's, when people that's realize thing. that that's when you get like these fucking masterpieces that are like 110 minutes like scream yes because like i don't think people talk about like craven's strength as like a visualist like sometimes he's he's like loose with the camera but Mm. i think like his staging of sequences is like really good yeah yeah you know it's a little like it it feels like slapdash almost Mm -hmm. but it's only because he makes it like so casual like on screen well this is also like one of those times where like they gave a uh, one of the classic horror guys a real budget to do a horror film, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, John Carpenter had to fight for that shit, like, his whole career. <laughs> and uh. Wes Craven did Scream, and then he kind of was, like, set for the rest of his career. Like, he got to make a lot of movies that had real budgets behind them. So even when they maybe don't work on the screenplay level, they still look all right. Yeah, like his producer project, Dracula 2000. Oh, boy. Um... Hey. <laughs> have you seen that? I have. I think we talked about it on the Dracula episode. <laughs> that's right. Or the Dracula uh, podcast. Yeah, whatever. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's Dracula in the year 2000. What are you going to do? <laughs> I think I confused it with a different Dracula. I think I called it Cyberpunk Dracula. No, that's and Dracula like, that's 3000. A, that's a different film. Yeah. yeah. 
Whatever. Fucking fucking Dracula. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. Who, who the fuck? Who the fuck made Dracula 2000? Oh, the director of Prophecy 3, of course. Yeah, Patrick Lussier. The direct-to-video uh, prophecy film that somehow still got Christopher Walken in it. You know, everyone needs a paycheck. Yeah. Oh, Any- Walken. Yeah. He um, should have been in a Scream sequel. Maybe. Maybe it should have been his voice as the ghost face killer. <laughs> Hello, Sydney. The house. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know who I'm looking at. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Christopher Walken. I didn't get that phone call from Walken. <laughs> yeah. You can tell he's very clearly reading off cue cards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, the opening of this movie is like a perfect like slasher movie in in and of itself. Yeah, it's like fucking 15 minutes of like perfection. Yeah, it's like this is like the, this is just Wes Craven showing off. Like I could totally just make a perfect slasher film if I wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. And then the movie kind of segues into more what it is, but it is, like, one of the best... You could just package this opening in and of itself, you know? Mm-hmm. And it would totally work. And it's kind of nuts that, like, even when you know the screen mask at this point, like, the first reveal is still pretty frightening. Yeah. Uh, Did you know about the uh, the death when you first saw it? Um, of, uh... Of Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore? Yeah. I think I had been spoiled on that. Okay. For some reason, like, I wasn't shocked. I I was not spoiled on that. Because mm-hmm. the internet, you know, internet was different enough then where I wasn't like, mm. like, I mean, Psycho, everyone everyone kind of knew at a certain point, you know? <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, yeah she yeah. dies halfway through. Um, spoiler alert for fucking Psycho. But here, I, <laughs> I, I, I did not know I watched that. Psycho with someone who didn't know that was going to happen. I know, someone's smashing their keyboard. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> but, like... I did not know Drew Barrymore uh, gets killed off in the first scene because she, you know, she puts up a fight. And yeah. I also love that we all just recognize Ghostface is like, like just a fucking mess. <laughs> Ghostface Pratt has to king. be an idiot to a certain he's extent. A, he's a pratfall king. Yeah, like, he's always getting knocked out. <laughs> it's, it's fucking fantastic. Um, um, but yeah, I like that sloppiness. But yeah, I didn't know she was uh, gonna exit the picture. And... Well, and she's all over the trailers if you watch them, and she's on the po- a lot of the posters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they were definitely like I think they went to her asking if she would be the lead, and she wanted to do the first victim. Like yeah. that was her idea, kind of. Also, the the official poster, the iconic scream poster, is Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. It's not Nev Campbell. Ne- ne- yeah, yeah. Ne- Nev-, ne Nev Campbell. Um, <laughs> Are you gonna have problems the whole time? Probably, yeah. And so I, I, I was also like, you know, I knew Drew Barrymore of the cast. I didn't know anyone else. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, cool, this is Drew Barrymore. I didn't know she was, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, she gets disemboweled in front of her family. Yeah, that was like fucking vicious, you know? Yeah, it was, it was really vicious. I gotta say, I really like just like, even from just the design of that opening scene of just, they, they found a house that made sure it had like the biggest windows imaginable. Mm-hmm. And, like, every frame, there's kind of a window in the background. And, like, so you, you get that vibe of, like... And it's that weird thing of, like, you know when you're in a house when it's dark and you have the lights on because, like, maybe you're a little frightened for whatever reason? But the, the counter to that is that when the lights are on in the house, you can't see outside. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a weird feeling sometimes. Yeah. Boy, let me tell you. Watching this <laughs> and the Blair Witch Project roughly around the same time and then going to visit my uh, my grandfather's old ranch... 
Hey now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that did not that did not help me uh get any comfortable sleep for a long time. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. Yeah, and like Scream's not like a terrifying film, but like those little ideas like that, they do creep up on you and you're like, hang on, that is kinda that is kind of unsettling. Mm-hmm. Uh that's don't I don't like that. Um good yeah. job though. Well, I think there's something about it where when you get to the end of it and like it's not a like supernatural killer or like a guy escaped from a mental hospital that like it kind of makes the whole thing more frightening, you mm-hmm. know? Especially of, like, where Scream leads, you know? Yeah, and it kind of like the idea of like these two fucking idiots that that came up with the spoilers. Um <laughs> you should you should have watched Scream before listening to this. Yeah. Uh, cuz it's a fucking great movie. Um, but it's also one of those ones where when you know the reveal, which is so not true about a lot of other slasher films and a lot of scream imitators, is that like the moment you know the twist, it actually makes the movie more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like when you rewatch it, you start thinking about like what was going on, and it, you can tell that they thought it out of like who is talking on the phone in this moment, like who is doing that, and then like they they put they they fucked her, they put her in that position of. Uh, you know, when they do the last question where it's like, which door am I at? And it's like, well, there's two of them, so whichever one she said, she would be wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Which is, like, such a terrifying thought. Like, um, god damn. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's fucking, fucking great. But, uh, to go back to the, the, the death of uh, Casey Becker and her boyfriend, mm-hmm. like, I, I think that's kind of, like, the heart of why Craven stuff is so fucking, like, his, his best work anyways. Uh, it's in Nightmare on Elm Street as well, but like he's got such like empathy yeah, got, for these characters. He, he, like you can only really pull off like something so vicious and still like enjoy the rest of the film by like kind of having your heart open to a, yeah, yeah. A, to a way. No, no, definitely. It's it's definitely and the and you can see that in something like Black Christmas is like another slasher film that does that really well. Yeah, Black Christmas fucking rocks. Black Christmas fucking rocks. It'd be really foolish of a bunch of people to say it's just inherently better than John Carpenter's Halloween. <laughs> It'd be a really fucking foolish hill to die on to compare those two movies. You fucking maniacs. <laughs> that take's been going around a lot lately. It's been going around a lot lately and it's a very bad take. I don't, I don't it's, know. It's it's in fact one of the worst takes. Is, is I've seen some bad takes. I don't know if that's one of the worst ones. It's one of the worst because it's just it's like you can't compare those movies. Okay. They're not the they're not the same. <laughs> well, they take place on holidays, which means they are the same. They take film. place on holidays, and there's a guy with a knife. Not even I don't think the guy in Black Christmas ever uses a knife. No, the whole thing is it's, it's Christmas stuff. Mostly. Yeah. So why are you comparing yeah. the two? You fucking maniacs. It's like one one movie is very clearly about the victims, the other is very clearly about the killer. Like Hey, look, <laughs> they're two different movies and they both are perfect in what they're going for. Um although if I had to do a ranking, I think I would put Scream above Black Christmas but Halloween above Scream. Interesting. I might put Scream above Halloween. I could I could you know what? I could see it. Like yeah. If you put Black Christmas above Halloween, I'm fucking throwing a chair at you. I gotta but, rewatch both. I gotta do a double feature. Black Christmas does rule. It just like it like bummed me out when I saw that take going around. <laughs> Cause it's just gonna be Remember when you texted me in the middle of uh, Big Trouble Little China and you were like, What if I don't love it this time? <laughs> 
and I was watching it. So then I had to watch the whole fucking movie being like, what the fuck is this <laughs> fucker going to say? <laughs> and then I, I was like, if I watch Black Christmas, I'm just going to think about these people who think it's better than Halloween. <laughs> because I have a really healthy attitude <laughs> about movies and opinions. Um, anyway, I like how you said Casey Becker and her boyfriend. Oh, yes, um, Steve. Well, it just makes me think that it's like the headline is like Casey Becker, comma, boyfriend, murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that was a that was a kid too, guys. Um Do we want to just give away we should just talk about uh who did it. Cause uh that'll be important with our in our discussion. Yes, uh it's fucking Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard. And Scooby Doo. Uh no, not Scooby Doo, no, uh, fucking Shaggy Doo. Um, shaggy. Shaggy. Did you say Shaggy Doo? In some versions he's Shaggy Doo. <laughs> in some versions. It's like I think it's Shaggy Norville Roberts or something like that. Wow. I think that's the real name, but some versions they've done Shaggy Doo. Hey, is Scooby-Doo, like, a perfect, like, love letter to horror stuff? Because a bunch of, of, of uh, other riffs on, like, horror ensembles will include, like, a shaggy type. Again, mm-hmm. Cabin in the Woods has the shaggy type, where it's just openly a stoner. This mm-hmm. one literally has shaggy in it, which is foresight, you know? Uh-huh. Which is just us, like, having hindsight to that. But, like, is there something there? Because... Um, no, it's like uh, the, really it's Hanna Barbera cynically trying to tap into youth culture at the time. Well, yeah, 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 but like, did it work? Because it's still like perpetuating in horror stuff. Like, it. I think it kind of worked, but also like they made like someone a few years ago did a thread of all the Scooby Doo ripoffs that Hanna Barbera did, that are like the same basic plot, and almost all of them had like the stoner guy kind of. Yeah, and then there's the the animal and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, um, but like you know, I mean, like the I think the longevity of the Scream franchise, apart from spoiler alert, me thinking most of them are actually quite good, mm. is like the characters, like like Dewey, Sidney, Gale, like people like <laughs> them, and you know, people like Randy also, uh, who does not get very far in the franchise but <laughs> it is kind of nuts jamie kennedy is really good in this yeah what the fuck is that because like never he was been never that good, good ever again anything ever again yeah and like, like look like i i'm a guy who like loves most of the tremor sequels even though they're not great oh yeah he was in that new one i've totally no, forgot he's in two of them oh my god and they're done... really bad wow that's a shame how did those like go off the rails uh here's here's the thing for for diehard fans, the very last one they did, it's pretty solid. It's okay. good. Okay, I, I did. You know yeah. what? I didn't see like it's a cold day in hell. Is the new one? Yeah. I, no, no, no. That's the sixth one. the The final entry in the Burt Gummer saga. Oh, okay. Is uh, it's it's a riff on the most so dangerous game, but with tremors. And you know uh, they don't have the budget to really pull it off. But like for a direct to video sequel to Tremors, it's it's pretty. I gotta. I love Michael Gross just, like, still showing up to do Tremor movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, no, that's, he's That's great. always great. Yeah, he... I mean, sorry to the Scream movie. I just need to gush about my love of Burt Gummer for a second. <laughs> who would vote for Trump. And <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem, yeah. is he would. But you know what? Maybe he might be one guy, though, where he wouldn't vote for Trump because he agreed with his politics, but because he hoped he would bring about the nuclear apocalypse faster. You know what? Yeah. 
<laughs> which again, which is something fun in like fiction. It is not something I want in real life. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, yeah, even Jamie Kennedy's like bad in those, but he's really good in these. Like, what the fuck is that? Um, Tremors Two is one of the movies from my childhood that like really frightened me. Real oh, Tremors Two rocks. Tremors Two rocks, but like. It's one of these things where, like, Tremors 1 sets up the rules about, like, how to get around the, like, graboids, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Tremors 2 is like, not anymore. And then Tremors 2 is like, no, now not only are they not underground, but they can sense your, like, heat or whatever. Yeah, they make them And that, like, terrified me. Because I, like, because I didn't know how to beat that. Okay. Which is, like, how how horror movies used to scare me as a kid when, like, I didn't know how I could beat the monster. Okay, well, Um, they show you how to do it. You know what? Um, I was going to say, though, uh, Scream, and I think one thing that maybe gets held against Scream is uh, that the opening is so much about, like, guessing the horror films, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think people think that's what the movie is. And it's like, no, it's just that one scene. Like, they only ever quiz them in that one scene, you know? Yeah, I mean, he, he does uh, ask Sydney what her favorite like scary movie is he like, does do the favorite scary but he like, doesn't quiz her like, yeah yeah and, uh, and drew barrymore no no I, I think you're totally right and i think that was part of like my false recollection of it was like oh it's just a film that's kind of like riffing on other films and it's like it's it's not it, it is trying to like and I, i'm willing to bet this is more craven than williamson but it is trying to like kind of get people to think about their relationship to the films that they like consume i guess yeah in a way. yeah and I wouldn't say it's like it's super like critical of of the teens. I, I think it is critical of like the things that allow these kind of like violent things to that were once just like kind of popular on the screen kind of start appearing on like public access news. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which you know, to to a degree, I would I would tell Mister Williamson if he was still with us, or uh, Mister Craven if he was still with us, like <laughs> Kevin Williamson. No, Kevin Williamson is wherever alive. you are. <laughs> He's like I'm still over here. No one cares. I'm sorry, but like no, I would tell him like this is kind of more about Vietnam in a way. Yeah, like through that lens, you know. And I will was, like, say the first it's war that like showed people like what war actually is, and it wasn't fucking John Wayne riding a horse. Yeah. And I will say it's a uh, it's very critical of like the news media, but I think it like it does better than a lot of other similar films do. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking of Die Hard because I watched Die Hard at Christmas because of course I did because I'm oh, like fuck, fucking uh, yeah, obvious. absolutely every year. Um, Sorry everyone, and, I know, you know it's like obnoxious got, now, but like it it's Die Hard. It rocks. That's got like the terrible reporter in it, you know, mm-hmm. and he gets punched in the face at the end. And I think that's something where people like walk away from him and go like, "See, the real villain here is the is freedom of the press." <laughs> And it's like, no, like, and at the same time when, like, and then that's juxtaposed with a cop learning to murder again, which is like, wow, these two things have aged weird. (laughs) Oh, they've aged terribly, but Die Hard is still a perfect film. No, it's like, you know, I'm not going to, it's Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. I I also don't need to defend Die Hard, of course. But this one has, like, has Gail Weathers played fucking fantastically by Courtney Cox. Oh, yeah, she's so good. All the cast members are, like, killer in these movies. It was, like, in the middle of Friends when she did this. Like, yeah, that's kind of nuts. That's kind of a, like, I don't know if if I was, like, her agent, I'd be like, really, you want to do that now? Like, <laughs> like, which is why I would be a terrible Hollywood agent, but, like, what a, I think what a she fucking wanted, great choice. I think I heard her interviews where, like, she was like, I was on Friends for so long, and you were playing kind of, like, you know, like, friendly people. She's like, I wanted to play someone who was just, like, a real bitch. 
I think that's exactly what she said in an interview. <laughs> that fucking rocks. Good for her. And, but, like, Gail Weathers, she sucks. She's, like, an exploitation, uh, like, news person. She doesn't really get better in the sequels. <laughs> but she ends up kind of being the hero. Like, she helps at the end of the movie, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Like, it's it's her that, like, which is, like, a nice thing to do where it's like, yeah, you know, she what she's doing is wrong, but that doesn't make her a bad person. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which I just, I find that an interesting balance. Yeah, I mean, the um, character stuff in these movies is so good, like, across the board, honestly. Even when yeah. the sequels kind of maybe don't live up to this first one, they, um, which we'll, we'll talk about how we're going to approach that later, because we haven't totally figured it out yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, we're like, not um, sure about the sequels yet. Uh, but, like, I, I do really love that, like, the, the characters aren't, like, perfect human beings, you know? It's like uh, Randy, when he's listing off the rules, he's like, oh, I can't have sex. And I think also people are kind of drawn to that as like a criticism now where it's like, it's not the the, the film saying people have to be like perfect saints because none of these people are, except maybe Dewey, which I will talk about uh, for the new film because if Dewey dies on film, I die in real life. Dewey like almost dies in every movie though. I know, it's great. It's it's one of those where like he like basically like it's like stabbed like thirty he's been stabbed so many times in his life and then at the end of the movie he's always like in the ambulance like I'm all right yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is such a funny thing to keep putting in these movies I know please please I can't if Dewey dies I I will I will have no reason to live. Well, that's the thing about that where it's, it's really the question is how much do people want to put up with David Arquette anymore? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that will really be the influence. But didn't you know you can't kill David Arquette? I guess. No, that was... Uh, yeah, didn't he his... do a thing? Yeah, like... yeah, yeah, hang on. Let me, let me find that. He also became a professional wrestler very briefly. Yeah, um, yeah, you cannot kill David Arquette. It's a documentary about himself when he uh, did professional wrestling for a bit. Yeah, and he got fucked up. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. He, I seen but it. like, he was he was famously had like a very like public kind of breakdown, like of like his marriage and shit, like because he was married to Courtney Cox. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they like broke up like while the new Scream was filming. I think no, they they broke up um, after Scream Four. Okay, but I, no, but I think it began like before that. It just like wasn't official. Because ah. I remember that being, like, part of the story, a part of the buzz around Scream 4. And then, like, he went on fucking Howard Stern and, like, was, like, talking, of, like, and was, like, very, like, just, like, open. And then fucking Courtney Cox went on there. Oh, God. It was wild. I remember, like, that That was, like, in, like, peak my dad listening to Howard Stern every day. <laughs> okay, I, I did not know this. Jesus. And then, like, so, like, I kind of watched that whole thing, like, play out. Like, mm-hmm. it was wild. Are they going to have screen time together in the new one? I believe so, yeah, which is kind of nuts. It's nuts, but, you know, maybe they're on, like, good terms. It's just like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be married, you know? Which yeah, is, you like, know, totally I mean, fine. That, that is what you, you want out of out of that situation, you know? Because, like, you know, like, uh, my, my parents are divorced, and thankfully, like, I think that was the best. Yeah, we've them. talked about this, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, sometimes it just doesn't work out, and that's, like, good you know? Children of divorce. Speaking of children of divorce, uh, Billy Loomis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everyone's favorite. I gotta say one thing before I forget, because then I'm gonna talk about a national tragedy. Yeah, yeah. But, oh God. Um, the the opening is so great. Uh, we talked about all that, but like, I love just the uh, 
that it like turns into a real tragedy by the end where like they can hear their daughter dying over the phone which is just nuts yeah like it's which is so fucked up that's something that scene. like again i think black christmas does really well where black christmas the first girl killed in black christmas is like the innocent like it's like the girl she doesn't really get along with her sorority sisters and she's packing because she's going to meet her father tomorrow so she can go home for the holidays. That's the first victim in Black Christmas. And she dies arguably the most brutally of anyone mm-hmm. in it with this with the cellophane wrapping around her head, you know? Yeah, and she's just there for the movie. And the whole movie she's just propped up in that fucking window. It's like, that's super cruel. And then the next day we meet her father. And then we have to spend the rest of the movie with her father like trying to find his daughter. Which he never does, by the way. And then at the end of the movie, like, when he finds out that she's most likely dead, he, like, collapses, which is something that these movies just don't do, mm-hmm. where, like, we don't see the victims. You know what's another movie that does it? Recently uh, reclaimed movie, I would say. I actually don't know. Jennifer's Body. Oh, yeah. Jennifer's Body. Like, basically everyone that dies in it, we see their grieving parents. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is kind of nuts. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that movie rocks. Um, that and really that's good. another one that kind of like allows you to kind of settle into the community. Like Woodsboro's, <laughs> like I, I, I totally buy into the community of Woodsboro in the Scream movies. You know. Mm-hmm. And then just the other thing, just visual storytelling. Um, the brilliant opening is that the last thing Casey Becker does before she dies is she rips the Scream mask off, mm-hmm. but the camera pants away so we don't see it which puts in the audience's head that the movie is going to be about finding out who the killer is you know Mm -hmm. it's not going to be like escape mental patient or like deranged movie fan who has like a dark past you know it's going to be a whodunit which is just such a nice little touch to put at the end of the scene and I feel like that's something that like other filmmakers would forget to do whereas they would just kind of tell us at a certain point that this is what the movie is. Yeah, like, I don't agree with this take, but a lot of the criticisms, and I, I would say it's justified. I, I don't think this is a bad take, because um, you're talking about the filmmaking, at least. But, like, the new Matrix maybe isn't as visually precise as, like, the other Matrix films. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not always completely telling you the story. I think it is in a different way. I think it's a lot to do with the lighting. Um but I, I think that is a problem with a lot of, like, movies right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'll, it's even stem, like, for, my frustration is even stemming to something like Coda. Have you seen Coda? It's like... Um, you know what? I haven't. Okay, it's on uh, Apple TV. It's a, it's a cute little film that got a lot of backlash because everyone was like, this is the popular film from Sundance. And it's like, it was clearly made All for, the like, Sundance films get, bucks. like, massive backlash. I know. And like... this one, look, it's not perfect. I, I got a lot of beef with the... With the way cinematography is used nowadays and how if you're just shooting coverage you're not really shooting a movie um but like it it was a cute little film it it was coming from a very good place obviously there are significantly worse films to get upset about but even i couldn't like get past like the fuck this is just like okay you're getting coverage of a bike ride three times you know (laughs) and like again for like a movie made on a ham sandwich budget i'm it shouldn't be against the movie it's just something I definitely am catching more and more as we as we go on. And I think for like, the end of, of 2021, um, there was a lot of great films with like great visual storytelling. So it's mm-hmm. not like dead. It's just something that we're running into a lot right now. And yeah. Scream is like just so fucking efficient at that. You think uh, there's also a weird thing of like because uh, film festivals kind of monopolized by directors who like have careers. 
and like are already established that we kind of forget that film festivals are mainly there for like indie filmmakers yeah and like their first film it's okay if it's like not perfect yeah (laughs) like it's supposed to be like oh this is a new voice hopefully they'll they'll make better stuff going forward because yeah, that doesn't like, seem to really happen that much anymore. No, it doesn't. I think people forget, like, it was, like, 2006, 2007, when, like, Mark Duplass and his brother were, like, trying to figure out a way to, like, break into the industry. And they filmed a seven-minute short in, like, one take on their DV tape player. Mm-hmm. And it won the award for, like, the best short film at Sundance that year. <laughs> and it's, and you know, like, but you watch it and it's like, oh, they actually built, like, a rhythm to, like, the scenes yeah. And stuff like that and it's like you can do like a lot and those movies just don't really get the chance right now and i, I yeah. don't know what to do to change that but i i wish they did you know what again what's craven his early stuff i wouldn't say is perfect but mm-hmm. he's clearly got something you know well that's the thing that like is really frustrating about right now is that like a lot of the guys monopolizing horror are clearly directors that they want to make other movies, but they can't get them made, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so horror they, tends to make money. Even, like, yeah, they the have to go to the horror genre. Well, horror right now is, like, the only genre where you can still get a mid-budget movie made. Yeah. You know? And, like, like hey, like, I'm not beefing with horror because there's, like, tons of great shit out there. Yeah, but, yeah. But, like... No, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's something where it's, like, people kind of, like, they'll shit on something like Midsummer, which is, like, you know, kind of like an... I don't know. I don't want to say, like art film but like Ari Aster is coming from a different angle than like a horror guy you know yeah like Ari Aster would be making other films if he could he's mm-hmm. kind of doing horror because that's what he can do you know yeah also and, when Martin Scorsese praises your horror film you keep fucking making horror <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like uh but but what I was gonna say is that like one thing I do love about horror is that horror does have that weird like history of like sometimes it's done by complete amateurs sometimes it's done by classy filmmakers it has like a weird give and take throughout its history that i like and you can just embrace all of it it's weird to see people just kind of rejecting the more quote-unquote elevated horror probably because of the marketing term elevated horror (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um for me like horror is always good because it's all like there's always something to even like bad horror films you know which i can't say about a lot of other genres like bad action movies are just bad bad comedies are like fucking crimes like <laughs> but like bad horror films can still be fascinating but mm-hmm. like i'm a little worried right now that we aren't getting the weird like we're not getting young west craven we're like he can fuck up for like a decade almost and not be like a great director but like doing interesting stuff mm-hmm. and or like john carpenter who like very clearly understood the camera from like early on but also you know it 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 took him a while to like really get a hang of things, right? Yeah, and I like that's frustrating. And I there's also like pushback just from movie fans in general. It feels like to like they won't let anyone like if you suck at the start, people are gonna be like, oh, you think this digital photography is good? You fucking idiot. Yeah, I mean like it's fucking 2022 at the time of uploading this, and people are still <laughs> going on about like, well, you know, film just looks better than digital. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you actually know anything about, like, a post-production pipeline... Yeah, but even, like, look, I'm not even saying that. I'm not even trying to make that argument about film versus digital. I'm just saying, no, 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 like... yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just... I'm just I'm, I know that people are fucking stupid and don't know what they're talking there about. There are dozens 
of horror films from any year back in the 70s and 80s that were shot on film that look terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're still interesting. And, like, even when they they don't look great, they're still kind of fascinating. I don't get why we have it. There has been a weird embrace of, like, terrible-looking digital in a weird way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like, I, I want to... I, I feel like we just kind of go, like digital bad except when it's done good and i'm yeah. like yeah but like what about like interesting bad you know uh-huh like and this, i don't hear as this much isn't about a bad that. movie you and i both are like five stars immediately when we talk about this movie i would love a horror movie to look like mammy vice all the way through yeah yeah you know like i mean blur yeah. Witch project kind of has that with the, uh, the early dv tape stuff and the 16 mm-hmm. millimeter um like that's what i wanted out of the new blur Witch. i was like just fucking iPhone that shit. What the fuck are you using like a professional camera for? <laughs> I think you forget that that movie already exists. Um, Paranormal Activity: The Ghost Dimension. Oh, I, I was like, I like the first three. <laughs> I, I will go to bat for the first three Paranormal Activities. I probably would too. It's been a while since I watched them. Yeah, I mean, remember they're on ham sandwich budgets. They're and, on ham sandwich budgets, and like the second one doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't put your security cameras there. <laughs> no, but... no, but like. The third one has like these incredible setups, and it's like, yeah, the the, the videotape probably isn't in sixteen by nine, but uh, that's probably not historically accurate to the eighties. But like, oh yeah, that bug that did bug me. Yeah, like, and that's totally that get will. it. I mm-hmm. like usually that wouldn't be a nitpick thing, but like that's something I had a problem with with Mank. Remember Mank? Oh yeah, Mank. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why the fuck is this movie in scope? Scope didn't exist yet. <laughs> You know? you know what? I was fine with that. I'm gonna. I'm weird. I have weird takes on Mank. I'll. I'll. I'll yeah. No. Mank. Like... Mank should be the next killer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Mank too. Yeah. The Mank, Mank is Dawn. on this poster. <laughs> <laughs> um. But anyways, yeah. I, I love the 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 shitty digital look. Oh my god. Uh, Lake Mungo. Have you ever seen Lake Mungo? Oh, Lake Mungo's fantastic. Lake Mungo is, like, one of the best movies of, like, best horror movies of the last decade. No, 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 fuck that. It's one of the best movies of the last decade. It is, it is pretty great. It yeah, pretty that, or fantastic. two decades. Fuck, it came out, like, 2008. Um, but yeah, that movie's incredible. And then I gotta, I gotta throw out, I gotta give a shout-out to our boy Sean Baker out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Recently reviewed uh, Lake Mungo and was like, the reason this movie works is because the interviews were shot on 16 millimeter. Oh my god! And I'm like, dude, the best scene in that movie is on a cell phone camera. I know, like... I know. <laughs> and you know, you know, it's so fucking funny. I've been talking for years before I saw Lake Mungo or even knew it existed. I was like, I would love to see some fucking shitty digital shot on like a cell phone. Just mm. you know, like really lean into like the aesthetic of like the the mid to late 2000s you know because like there's a look there that we haven't really defined yet yeah, yeah and then i saw that and i was like they fucking did it and mm-hmm. no one was talking about it shame on everyone <laughs> yeah shame shame yeah. on the world yeah um go watch lake mungo it's it's, it's yeah. unbelievably depressing but it's so good it's, it's an unbelievably depressing film and it's like a 90 minute build up to one scare and it's fantastic. Yeah, and that one scare will stay with you for like the rest yeah, of your you'll, life. Yeah, you'll no, you'll never lose it. It'll be there the yeah. rest of your life, which you is kind not, of the point. You will not want to walk around at night on your phone ever again. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I watched that like fucking alone, like in the middle of the night one night. Like I just put it on and it was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, have, have we all placed our bets as to what national tragedy... I am going to be discussing. The last time we talked about Columbine, 
So well, no. guess what? We're talking about Columbine again. Okay. Well. This is the best movie ever made about the Columbine shooting. Even though it happened... Even though it was made, made three years beforehand. Okay, okay. Um, because the like the Columbine thing was like... Those were kids who, like, they very much referenced movies and shit like that, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, like... There's a lot I could go into, but... Um, I'm trying to think of how to approach it, honestly, because I got a lot to say. Okay, I thought you were going to talk about the actual thing that influenced the making of the film writing. No, no, there was there's there's real murders that influenced it. I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. Um, I am unfortunately going to talk about uh, some of the murders that this movie quote unquote inspired. Oh, goody. Um, but that will come up in a in a moment. Um. So Columbine. Uh, two kids shot up their whole school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it still sticks around in our mind for whatever reason. It's still like the shooting. I, I I assume kids are moving past it now that like shootings just keep happening. That like we live like in a post Stoneman Douglas era, like that we live in a post uh, that the the poor elementary school getting shot up, mm-hmm. um, which is still like the center of a bunch of conspiracy theories because that's the only way you can say guns are cool after that is to say it was a false flag terrorist attack. Jesus, like. Because it's just so awful. Um, but I think something that sets Columbine apart from the other shootings, and there's a couple other instances, but not many, is that it was two shooters, you know? Mm-hmm. It was not one shooter. It was two shooters, two guys basically feeding off each other, um, which is a dyad thing. It happens in murders a lot. Um, you know, Leopold and Loeb. Um, are you aware of Leopold and Loeb? No, actually. Like, one of the earliest, like, quote-unquote, thrill killings ever committed. And it's it's one of those things where um, one of the killers is usually, like, the architect of the thing, and the other is, like, the manipulated one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's... A, and then, you, you, you've, have you seen Hitchcock's Rope? Fucking long time ago. But, like, Lope... Rope... Lope... Rope <laughs> is, like, about two killers, correct? Mm-hmm. Like... Those two guys, they murder a friend. It's a thrill killing. It's entirely inspired by uh, Leopold and Loeb, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the one in it that is like the charming sociopath and the one who's like can't handle what he has done, you know? Yeah. And it's a very rear, real psychological phenomenon. And the same thing happened with Columbine. And Columbine, I got to I gotta be careful here because there's a lot of strong opinions around Columbine. Um there's a lot of people that to this day insist that the Columbine shootings happened because the kids were bullied. And I have to, I have to disagree, um, on that. And I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna gonna say like what going forward is my opinion and not a definitive statement on the Columbine shooting, just for anyone out there. Um, because there's also oddly a weird, uh, fans of the Columbine killers. I think we've talked about this on other episodes. I think we talked about it on the Matrix, yeah. Yeah. Um also we might have talked about it on the episode where I revealed I know a lot about serial killers, <laughs> which was weird. Oh, that was Hannibal, right? That was Hannibal. Hannibal episode. Yeah. Um I'm about to reveal I know a lot about the Columbine shooting, so get fucking ready. Mm. Um but hey don't don't it's there there's a there's a reason for it this time. Okay, okay. Um but a lot of people think it was because they were bullied. Now, Columbine is fascinating because a lot of their journals are publicly available. 
Um, you can find basically the entirety of their journals online if you go looking for it. And uh, they don't mention being bullied in their journals that much. Um, one, the one kid was very clearly a manic depressive. The other, this is another thing that's controversial. Some people believe the other kid was like a psychopath. Now you can't really diagnose that without giving someone a psychological evaluation, right? Like the person mm-hmm. still needs to be alive to do that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers: the Columbine killers both are dead. Did <laughs> um, you should say spoilers? I did say spoilers for the Columbine shooting. Oh, okay. Um, a thing a lot of people miss is that they the plan for those those two idiots was that they were they tried to blow up their school. They brought in homemade propane bombs and set them up in the cafeteria. The plan was they were going to set them off at like the peak of like people being in the cafeteria for lunch. They even did like reconnaissance where they were checking at what time were most people in the uh, cafeteria. Like that's how fucked up these kids were. Um, well, because they were idiots, their bombs didn't work. And the plan was for the bombs to go off to blow up the cafeteria, and then as the people evacuated the building, they were going to shoot them. That was the plan. Bombs didn't go off, so then they had to just walk up and start shooting people. They could have killed hundreds of people if their bombs had worked. And we'd be talking about Columbine in a very different way than we talk about it now, but because they didn't work, we approach it from this weird angle. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm bringing all of this up because... There is something in the uh, the Stu and Billy relationship that just feels very on point with the Columbine killers. And I, I can't, like, totally explain it, but there's totally the Billy Loomis angle and the Stu kind of being the manipulated one, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, you can totally read it there that he's the one following orders. Billy's always ordering him around by the end of it. And all right, the reason I know so much about the Columbine shooting is because when I was young, like 18, I got in my head that I was going to write a brilliant screenplay about a school shooting. I was like, I'm going to say something real about American society. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, as you can imagine, it might be one of the worst things ever written by someone. (laughs) And one of the problems that I ran into and that is incredibly difficult to get across, especially about murderers, especially spree killers, is how incredibly dumb and overconfident they are. That they are, that especially psychopaths, like we always love the idea of like the charming, intelligent psychopath, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is the media thing. Like of like all psychopaths are like these weird like masterminds. And in real life, they're not. They're just super overconfident, and they're willing to do things that the average person wouldn't do. And Columbine is a perfect illustration of that, because like I said, they plan to blow up the school. Their plan failed miserably, ultimately. They, they couldn't handle it. Like, they, they, they fucked it up, but they thought it was, like, a perfect plan. I think Scream taps into the idea that these two guys are incredibly dumb. <laughs> That Stu and Billy are incredibly dumb. And one of the things that I love about it is it's very clear that if they had gotten away with what with these murders, if they had killed everyone and then pretended to be dead, five minutes after the movie ended, they would have been caught. Like, they would not have gotten away with this. Yeah. 
And a big part of it is, A, they left a lot of people alive. <laughs> like, how many times did they shoot or, like, stab people that ended up living, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, Dewey lives, Gale lives, fucking uh, Randy lives. Like, all three of those people that were injured. And then the other thing I always think about is, like, let's say if they did manage to get away with it and they're being investigated by the police, and, yeah, they've been stabbed, right? Um, forensic analysis, first guy I look at... Uh, Billy's shirt is going to be like, hey, dude, how did all this corn syrup get on your shirt? (laughs) (laughs) And there's like a hilarious level of overconfidence. And it's something where, as I tried to write my terrible screenplay, a thing I kept running into that I I had problems with is that there's a lot of movies out there about uh, mass shootings. And no matter how you approach them, they are movies that will be idolized by people who want to commit mass violence. Like that is, I'm not saying the art made them do it. I'm just saying that art, uh, that kind of art attracts those kind of people, right? Mm-hmm. And I ran into a problem of like I didn't really know how to communicate that people who want to murder a lot of people are idiots. <laughs> like, there's a lot we can say there, but it's something that I don't know. It's it's something that movies struggle with to portray that sort of idiocy. And Scream is the only one that kind of gets it right where these guys are morons and they stab themselves a bunch of times at the end and like basically kill themselves, you know? Um, and then the other thing is, I think there's a great Wes Craven quote that went around a little while back where he talked about Scream and he was like, these two idiots are guys who have never been punched. <laughs> like, they don't know what pain is like, which is why they think they can kill all their classmates. And the moment they get injured, they like fall apart, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is I, I wish I do. You, do you know the quote I'm talking about? No, no, no. I got to look it up. Real quick, it's a great quote. Um, see if I can find it real quick. Well, I'll, I'll say one of the things that that uh, I think or at least one of the films that kind of taps into like the villains being idiots. I mean. Mm. is the completely non-controversial Last Jedi. Mm. Which you know is, is totally like a different type of film, different level of, of like budget. There's, there's a whole category of differences and I don't think anyone on the planet has ever compared the two films together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, you know, Kylo Ren, like even people that don't like the sequels, what was the big thing that people took away from The Force Awakens for better or worse was like Kylo Ren is kind of an idiot and he's an angry like child. Who, who never, like, learned, like, like uh, responsibility and, like, how to control, like, like their their emotions and, and rage, yes. right? And uh, and then Last Jedi takes that to a, an insane degree with the First Order, where Hux is, like, just just kind of squawking like a bird a lot of the <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, which, which is great. I, I think it's fantastic, where it's like, yeah, these, these fucking fascists are just, like... They're idiots. They're not like the all powerful. Well, it's not only are they fascists, they're like cosplaying fascists, you know? Yeah, like, which is like the stroke of genius in those first two movies. Which is another thing that I could just say, like, uh, a lot of, like, the, especially one of the Columbine killers, at least, uh, like, very much, like, emulated, the, like, like loved the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not, like, not in a white supremacist kind of way, in a, like, I like mass violence kind of way. And it's a weird thing of, like, this guy thought he could, like, be the next, like, terror that, like, brought damage to the universe, you know? Yeah. Um, but continue what you were saying about Last Jedi. Well, I, I just think that's 
that's something that people need to like recognize more and I do wish more movies did it because besides like Scream and the Star Wars sequels until the rise of Skywalker like there's not really a lot of recognition about like these terrible people being also some of the stupidest on the planet you know yeah like Elon Musk isn't like a murderer but he is an idiot and he is a terrible person and a deeply insecure guy like the more importantly like that's really what's going on here like yeah that's the other thing with Trump too is that like Trump is just like so nakedly insecure as a human being Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and it's so weird that we don't talk about that because it it reveals a lot about insecurities that run real deep in this country and another thing that Scream taps into that I don't think um, I can think of many other slasher films that do. But uh, Scream really taps into that ultimately this is a movie about guys who hate women. Like, it is not... Like, like everyone goes like, oh, it's guys, they watch a bunch of horror movies trying to, like, emulate it, stuff like that. It's like at the end of this movie, one, early in the movie we set up that Casey Becker dated uh, Matthew Lillard's character and then she dumped him to date her new boyfriend who was also murdered. So, like, that's one thing. And then at the end of the film, when, like, Steve Ulrich's giving his whole speech of, like, do we... I mean, Skeet Ulrich is giving his whole speech where he's like, do do killers need motives? Like, he's trying to be, like, cool. And then he admits, like, no, the reason I'm doing this is because uh, your mother had an affair with my father and my mother abandoned me because of it. And... That's why I hate women. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and even Matthew Lillard like, kind of is like, shocked by that revelation. But it's, it's, su- it's, it's a brilliant stroke because a lot of murderers, real-life murderers, serial killer, male serial killers, are driven by a extreme hatred of women. And on top of that, a lot of that hatred is driven by a complicated relationship with your mother. Like a lot of that's where a lot of that comes from, and there was a there's a really interesting theory kind of about the serial killer boom that happened in like the seventies that a lot of it is <clears throat> the baby boomer generation, and like they have a very real relationship with their mothers who that's a generation where women kind of finally got to be in the workplace when all the men were away at war. And then the moment men came back, women got forced out of the workplace again, you know? Mm-hmm. And it led to, like, a weird psychological effect where there was, like, an increase in parental abuse. And so a guy's mother, you know, abuses him younger, and then he projects his mother onto all women. That's just the theory. I don't know how true that is. Um, but it's interesting that this movie taps into that. I can't think of another horror movie that really underlines, like, this is about a hatred of women, you know? Mm-hmm. Can you think of one? Uh, the 2019 Best Picture nominee, Bombshell. But that's not a slasher no, film. No, I know, I know, I'm just kidding. Uh, I just, Jesus, that movie. Um, no, no. I, I thought I, you were going to say really Promising can't. Young Women for a second. And then oh, I was yeah. Like, oh, um, no. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I got uh, nothing there. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I don't know. I think a lot of movies play kind of coy. Like, those, like, they leave it open to, like, either interpretation or they don't fully like commit to the idea because they, they it might be seen as too provocative by a producer or something well, like they, that. Well, they de- there's definitely always like that weird like Freudian subtext to a lot of slasher films, mm-hmm. you know? Um, with like like the knife and penetration and shit like that. And and I will say, guess what this movie ends with? Uh, 
after the reveal and there's the fight and then like uh, there's the final fight with Nev Campbell and Skeet Ulrich and Skeet Ulrich is like has got her even though he's all fucked up what does she do to him? She penetrates him. She sticks her finger into his stab wound. Oh fuck that's right. <laughs> that's how she stops him. <laughs> oh god. And also what is this movie really about? Like what is the killer's plan? The killer's plan is to have sex with his girlfriend <laughs> because he thinks if he makes her not a virgin anymore that they'll be able to kill her. <laughs> That's what these idiots think. Yeah. And, it, you know, they, they, they he has sex with her, and then guess what? She fucking kicks their asses because <laughs> they're morons. And, like, again, that's another hatred of women. It's like... If a woman has sex, then she's like a lesser woman. <laughs> and it's playing... Again, people remember that scene where he's like, you know, you can't do drugs, you can't can't have sex. And it's like, no, the movie... Like, they say that in the film, but the film is in direct opposition of that. Mm-hmm. And again, to bring it back to The Last Jedi, everyone remembers Kylo Ren saying, like, kill the past. And then, like, people are like, no, he's the villain of the movie. Like, people took that as, like, the actual mission statement of the film, you know? Mm-hmm. That's not what The Last Jedi is about. Um, and again, not to... But to bring it back uh, to Columbine for just half a second, um, the other weird thing about Columbine is that, like, it changed the way we approach school shootings. Like, ever since Columbine, the protocol is if there's a shooting happening, if there's an active shooter, the police have to go in. They have to go in and stop the guy no matter what. Whereas Columbine, they weren't sure if it was a hostage sh- situation or a shooting. So there's like a long standoff between the shooters and the police. A weird thing that happens that isn't discussed enough um, and is a really revealing moment is that uh, there's this weird like 30 minutes before the killers, before the Columbine killers killed themselves, there's a weird 30 minutes where they just walked around the school and didn't kill anyone. And they just walked around, they like shot guns into the walls a little bit, but they didn't kill anyone. And now, part of it is a psychological thing of like, you know, there's like, there's a weird like adrenaline rush people get if they kill someone, you know, you know about that, right? Like, uh, now I do. <laughs> well, I mean, no, it happens any, like, even like people like in war, like they'll, you can kind of like put your emotions aside for that moment. But then you crash a little bit later. So, like, that kind of happened. But the other thing is that one of the fucking Columbine kids, who was an idiot, I want to stress this, was an idiot, the, the mastermind of it all especially, um, they had gotten guns illegally, and then he he, he sawed off his shotgun because he knows that what you're supposed to do because that's the quote-unquote cool thing to do with a shotgun. He sawed it off too much, so the recoil on it, it was, like, massive. And that's another thing is you get, there's a lot of video of Columbine out there. You can see them like practice shooting. <clears throat> the recoil on it is like almost like knocking him over when he's at like a gun range. Um, when he, when he went to shoot someone with the shotgun a little bit into the murder, the recoil was so strong. It came back and broke his nose. Jesus. Yeah. He broke his nose. And after that, he like stopped shooting people. Like he, I think he shot a few more, but like, like he really cooled down after that because suddenly he experienced real pain for probably the first time in his fucking life, which is what happens in this movie. Again, three years before Columbine, which is just why I find it so fascinating. Um, and then the other thing 
I have to bring up is that uh, there have been a few quote-unquote killings inspired by uh, this movie. There have been a few people who have put on scream masks and killed people. Um, and in a lot of times, it was like two people did it. Um, now, there was one a little while back, I can't remember it, where these guys were straight up like, we're going to do Scream. It was these high school kids. Like, we're going to do Scream. We're going to do our own version of Scream. And they videotaped themselves planning it, which is a real smart thing to do, by the way, to videotape yourself planning the murders. And then after you get caught by police, leading them to where you buried the videotape. A really smart thing to do. Um, And they killed one of their, their high school classmates. And... They were like, we're going to do Scream, and they were like, we're going to be, we're mastermind killers, we're going to, we're going to go on killing people and do just like Scream did. And they got caught like four days after the first murder, right? Mm -hmm. And they like immediately, you can find their interrogation video online, they got like destroyed like almost instantly by police. And it's another one of these guys are just like overconfident, stupid murderers. And... I just, I just, it's like, and even then, like, a movie like Scream, which, like, this movie ends with these guys stabbing themselves like morons and being revealed to be idiots, and even this movie can still kind of, like, attract people who want to commit violence. Like, I don't know, I just find that so, like, fascinating in a weird way. (laughs) Uh, Well, Craven clearly, like, struck it like the heart of something, like, in American culture. Oh, no. by the way, those those kids who who killed their classmate, they also killed a girl that like they had a crush on who refused their advances, you know? Mm. So they talked about like scream all they want, and at the end of the day, guess what? They hated women. Like, it's always that. It's always a hatred of women. Like Yeah, it's weird that that keeps popping up in American society. A hatred of it's women weird leading that it's to not, outbursts of violence. It's weird that it's not talked about a ton, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's weird that we don't talk about why that happens. And again, it's like Scream is like the one like slasher example that I think like really cuts deep to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and mean, you get like the weird eighty slashers that like, oh, the movies hate women, like, <laughs> which is another weird angle for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was going to kind of build up to this point, but like, I think it's safe to say Scream is like one of the most important films to come out of American cinema. Yeah. I think it's no, one of the no, peak, like American is, films. It's a masterpiece, and it's it's it should be like canon. It should be in the AFI top one hundred. Like, <laughs> maybe, yeah. It, no, it really should. It is horror never gets its due, but like if you're gonna put like five horror movies in there, Scream should be one of them. Like it, it just is. Like I've you know I came on here. We did we just did the Matrix, and like I was kind of like. I didn't want to put my gear too hard on the gas because a lot of people really defend those movies. Scream is the one where I'm like, no, this movie's a masterpiece. <laughs> and I'm not even like, like I can't even really get like super deep into it. Like there's so much more going on here. And I just, I, I think it's a brilliant movie. Um, and it's, again, it's rewarding on rewatch, especially when you know who did it. Like there's such a great dynamic between Stu and Billy where like you can see Stu being the one who like kind of wants to tell everyone that he's murdering his friends Mm -hmm. and then Billy always having to shut him down yeah I mean like you know when you get like a new this is like gonna be kind of a fucked up thing but like when you you get like a new hobby you know you want to like share 
like your excitement <laughs> about it. And this is just like the worst version of that. This is the most yeah. horrendous, horrific version of that. Yeah, no, it's right, but it's also a true thing. Like a lot of guys who want to kill people or do kill people, like they want to tell you, like they want to leak it, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the like, idea, like this, this is something even I'm familiar with, like the idea that like they want to be caught just so they have like the notoriety of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, f- fame and like notoriety is is a really big recurring through line in the scream sequels not yes. not all the motivations but at least for the killers but like it, it's it's definitely um something that carries through the the, the saga and, as it were and it is here it's definitely more pronounced in the sequels but it is here with gail weathers mm-hmm. like she is definitely the like through line of like tabloid journalism yeah and i i've i mean we talked about it a little bit already but like i really like the idea that like She's the one chasing that more so than than Billy and Stu, and then she has to kind of like put that aside to be the hero. And then by being the hero, she gets like that notoriety. Yes, <laughs> which is like you know maybe like a weird arc, but it's not like a wrong one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just think it's good that there's a movie where like there's a shitty reporter, but the end, the end lesson isn't that like reporters suck, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Like that's been a that's been a real like thorn in my side lately. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I thought about it back in like Far From Home, where like I I fucking hate. I'm not crazy about it in general, but like I hate the idea that like J. Jonah Jameson is like some alt right reporter now, and like yeah. it's in the PlayStation game too, and like it came there first, and I'm fine with it. Like in one universe, I don't want it to be the only like kind of representation there. Like, how the what? fuck is the Tom Hardy Venom stuff like? a better working class narrative than yeah. like anything in the MCU up to this point. And he's a reporter who like sticks to his guns, like ethically. Yeah. What's up with that? Mm-hmm. Why is that the one? I don't know. It is strange. It is. It's, it's that it's maybe it's the genius of Aviara. No, no. <laughs> I'm willing to bet it's Tom Hardy just cause he's like a, a mastermind. That doesn't sure. mean it's, it's a good thing or a bad thing, but he's definitely <laughs> guiding the ship on that franchise, and I kind of love it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Reporters are getting weird on film and television. Yeah. Which is even stranger, because Spotlight just won Best Picture, like, seven years ago. Well, because there's, there's, there's the only two versions of the newspaper story you can do, which is, like, Media Crime, which is, like, uh, Richard Jewell. Mm-hmm. From like a year ago. And then there's actually uh, media will save all of us and reporters are actually the heroes of society. Right, yeah. Like that, which is like both are wrong. <laughs> and both don't address the fu- fundamental issue at the heart, which is the relationship between news and commerce, which is where the real problem is. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I can't think of that much out there that really deals with that. Oh, you know what? Our fucking boy, the insider. Yeah, the insider definitely. The I mean, that's what that's why that movie's brilliant. I mean, that movie is like, if that's someone's favorite Michael Mann movie, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I totally get it. Well, because that's a movie where like Al Pacino is like a stereotype of like the hero journalist, you know? Mm-hmm. And like the first half of that movie, you're kind of like when you watch Spotlight, where you're like, fuck yeah, journalism, real journalism, being the hero. And then but the insider then takes that turn in the middle where it was like. All right, now 60 Minutes is going to be the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa. 
And I mean, even remember like something else I've talked about before, but like, I want to stress how fucked up it was that like when Michael Mann went on to 60 minutes or not 60 minutes on CNN to promote the film. And he was talking to that, that fucking asshat who's since been fired. Uh, Charlie Rose, like Charlie Rose was like downplaying, like, you know, it's a much more fictionalized version of CNN and Michael mm. Mann is not someone who deals with fictionalized versions of anything, yeah. basically. He's like, no, nah, well, you know, I did a lot of research leading into this production, and, you know, like, I, there's there's fictionalized elements. Like, the scene with the bullet in the mailbox and the insider didn't happen. He hmm. stressed that. The relationship CNN producers had with that story is all true. Yeah. You know, like, well, they really was... wanted to, like, shut it down for, for unethical reasons. There was the controversy at that time that Mike Wallace, the real Mike Wallace, really came out against it and said that the movie didn't portray what he did accurately. And I think it did. I think that ultimately came out, but he was like, he really went to bat against it. And Mike Wallace is, you know, like, kind of a, like, pillar of journalism of his era, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that didn't help the film. Even though Christopher Plummer gets the amazing scene where he just yells at that woman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Christopher Plummer fucking so fucking great in that movie yeah I mean everyone's fucking great in that movie if Christopher Plummer in The Insider yelled at me even if I was just acting in a scene I would just go home and cry <laughs> yeah you know people make fun of like oh this is their Oscar scene The Insider has like every scene where it's yeah, every scene Oscar is the scene. Oscar scene yeah and then it's also hysterical where it's like I don't think it won a single Oscar <laughs> yeah it, ugh, fucking I mean 1999 was a pretty fucking great year for movies so like mm-hmm. that one I get but like goddamn and I think it was that thing of, like, it was just kind of, I think Mike Wallace kind of fucked it a little bit, like, where he really went to bat against it. Mm-hmm. And he had friends in the news, you know, so yeah. that'll affect things. Yeah, um, fuck you, Charlie Rose. All right, I got just a few more things I really want to talk about. All right, all right, let's do it. That are, that are a little more scatterbrained. Okay, I got um, some scatterbrained. One, Matthew Lillard's performance in this is brilliant. Um, also, he reminds me a lot... Of the fucking angry video game nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! There, there is something in his performance that makes me think of the angry video game nerd. <laughs> uh, Matthew Lillard, I just want to say, is one of our greatest character actors, and he pops up in something fantastic once in a while. But like, he just—why doesn't he take off ever? I don't know. He should be like a great character actor. I think because he was—they tried to make him like funny man like he's always going to be like supporting funny man in movies yeah like he was in twin peaks the return yeah and he's incredible in like two scenes yeah he's also in a movie did you ever see the descendants the alexander payne film yeah that's a good movie he, sh- he pops up in that and he's great in that too like yeah. and he's going up against people like fucking like george clooney <laughs> and fucking robert forrester like it's a yeah. He's a great he's a great character actor. I don't know why it hasn't taken off. Um, I think he was just they they try to put him in a different lane than he was a, a fit for, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he just got th- he got thrown out of the, the fucking Scooby Doo shit for a little bit. But yeah, I think thankfully sucks. we've all realized that was a mistake. Yeah. Um. Not not to to jump ahead too far or anything like that, but I try not to theorize too much about movies anymore. Is Stu alive? You mean for like Scream Five? Yes. Um, I might I might have totally gone down the rabbit hole because I'm I'm pretty excited about this one. 
Is he alive? I don't think so, because he got a TV shoved on his head. I'm just saying. All right, I mean... I don't know. That movie better be good if that's what they're going to do. Oh, no, totally, <laughs> totally. But, uh... I don't know. Those TVs were pretty hollow. That's not right. true. Those things were fucking heavy. <laughs> also, great timing on the TV coming in his face when uh, Drew Barrymore... I mean, not Drew Barrymore, uh... Jamie Lee Curtis is going to stab Michael Myers. Yeah, that yeah, that's great. Uh, which is... Uh, no, then they're also referenced later with uh, Sydney, um, but hey, I just I love uh, Lillard. A, I just love his performance as one like first time you watch it, he's like the idiot friend. Second time you watch it, as just a guy desperately wanting to tell everyone that he's a murderer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he he does such. A, also, I believe there is a scene in this where if you're a very uh, astute or like paying attention viewer, uh, there's one giveaway that he is the killer. Other than the scene when they're all at the fountain and, like, he just, like, all he wants to talk about is the murders. Yeah. <laughs> and then Billy has to keep telling him, hey, man, shut up. I think the twist is, like, you're not going to guess that it's two guys, which is a pretty good twist mm-hmm. um, for a whodunit film. Um, but uh, there's the scene where What's-His-Name is listing off all the rules. And he's like, and don't ever say you'll be right back because you won't be back. And then Matthew Lord's like, Hey, I'm gonna go get a beer. You want one? I'll be right back. You know that funny scene? Yeah. And that's the scene that reminds me of the angry video game nerd. He makes an angry video game nerd face <laughs> when he does it. Um, well, he goes to get a beer. Um, guess who got murdered going to get a beer? Oh, a Tatum. Yeah, Tatum. And she's still hanging from that fucking garage. Mm. So the only reason he wouldn't have been shocked by that is if he had participated in the murders. Mm. So, I think that's, like, the one tell. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Um, who knows, though? I could just be... It's it's one of these movies where I've watched it so many times I could be reading into it a lot. Like mm-hmm. Or, like, like my theory on the thing where it's like, oh, you can see who gets infected when. It's like, not really. Yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> um, oh, also... there's one. There's definitely one I will definitely stand by in the thing. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, I, I also just love his... Probably the best moment of the movie for me is when... Sydney uh, calls them after he's escaped and is like, just who just called the police and reported your sorry motherfucking asses, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is a great moment. And he, they give the phone to fucking Lillard and he's like, did you really tell the police? And she's like, you bet I did. And he's like, well, mom and dad are going to be so mad. <laughs> so, so fucking great. <laughs> which is like, oh my God, that's the best line in the movie. I don't and see. Like, I think people like are so close to like, understanding that this is more than just like a comedy i mean like a mm-hmm. lot of people do understand that i'm not i'm not saying we're yeah. smarter than others plenty of people have talked about scream um to like such a, a like a literary degree basically mm-hmm. but like that's a very funny scene but it's also very revealing about character like it's not just like a witticism that the movie's playing with you know yeah like it, it's all based in character <laughs> constantly well, that's where it's like that's where like i don't really get kevin williamson because like i can't tell how much he's tapped into what I think the movie's tapped into, you know? Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell how much, what, like, I can't tell how much of it is, like, you know, it's that thing of, like, you don't, it doesn't really matter what the author intends, it's what the movie says, you know? Yeah. But, uh, it's just constructed so well, and not in a script is king kind of way. Yeah, yeah, like, I, and I, th- I think this, the bones of it are definitely Williamson, and I think Craven takes it to the next level. Yeah, I think Craven, like, really, really upped it a little bit. 
Yeah, and unfortunately, with, the stink say, of it is is like the Weinstein's, and even they have yeah. like notes that ended up helping the film. It's like fuck, that's like that kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's the. I mean, hey, the Weinstein's were powerful producers. I mean, yeah. what are you gonna do? But uh, I think Craven, I think he's also an underrated like actors director. He gets really good performances out of people, mm-hmm. and I think that like will elevate some of his work that isn't as good. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of the reason The Hills Have Eyes like is at all like kind of good is I think he gets a really good performance out of a lot of the like the crazy hill people in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And then and then something like Last House on the Left, which feels like he just found actual murderers and put them on camera. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I'm trying to think, what else do I really? Well, do you know about? Danny Boyle almost, or at least was approached to do this? That would have been bad. Yeah, I like Danny Boyle, but that was I, I I do too. He can't. Uh, I, I I think his his genre stuff can't be too winking. Yeah, like I love Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, I I don't love Steve Jobs. That'd be like yeah, that movie, would be like if you, know you got Danny Boyle to do the Social Network. It just wouldn't fit. Yeah, it would just be a really bad fit to have him team up with Sorkin. Bad. Yeah. I idea. still would like to see a Danny Boyle Bond movie though, and I'm he glad it wasn't No be. Time to Die. But I would he, like to see it. He almost did it, right? Like, yeah, he was close. Was... And <laughs> sorry, a sidebar. But the rumor was like, oh, they're gonna kill off James Bond, or he wanted to kill off James Bond. They wouldn't let him do it. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, that wasn't the case. So what happened there? <laughs> I mean, maybe he was one of those guys who were like, uh, you can't kill James Bond. Well, maybe like the studio was like, no, we're not doing this. And then they fired Danny Boyle and then like the scene was like alright well we're not gonna kill Bond and then Craig's like I'm not showing up to set unless you fucking kill Bond yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Craig seemed knows? to have those producers by the balls a little bit mm-hmm. like uh, which God bless him yeah yeah he's a weird guy he is but he's also the best <laughs> he's a great <laughs> actor man well it's weird where it's like you know he did like like, he did Knives Out recently, and, like, he's talked about how much he just kind of loved doing it. And, like, he's like, I, like that's why, like, he kind of immediately wanted to do a sequel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then, like, he with Bond, he was, like, almost done, like, immediately. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the other was a girl with the dragon tattoo where he was like, I will not do the sequels unless I get paid, like, an insane amount of money. And the studio was like, well, no, <laughs> we're not yeah. going to pay you that much. And, uh, yeah. Who was the one guy? He was always lobbying for one director to do a Bond movie, and they never did. I can't remember who, though. I don't know. People still want Nolan to do it, and I, I still kind of don't. I like Nolan doing Nolan. He, he did his Bond movie. He's done multiple Bond movies. Yeah, but Tenet is like his really Bond movie. <laughs> yes, and that's why dudes rock. <laughs> and and it's it's like on even on that level, it's like I get some people maybe not wanting to follow it into uh, whatever fuck like with like whatever Nolan's up to, but it's like a great Bond movie with a great Bond villain in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Branagh's so good in that. I know. Fucking. That's uh, my, that's my go. Kenneth Branagh. You know who should have been a Bond villain? Kenneth Branagh? No. Henry Winkler. <laughs> Henry. <gasps> okay. So you know about that scene? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. For the people that don't know, because so we don't just talk in like hidden languages. Um, <laughs> The scene where Henry Winkler is killed was an addition because in the screenplay, like, 30 minutes go by, 30 pages go by, and no one is killed. 
mm-hmm. which is like fine for dramatic purposes. But um, I believe it was Bob Weinstein who realized that like, hey, no one's died in a while. You, you got to kill someone else. And so uh, Williamson was like, all right, let's see what I could do. Uh, I'll kill off the principal. Oh, that also gives me a reason to evacuate yeah, all the people the leave the party at yeah. that point. You know, and like the police are distracted. Like, it's a good, it's a good little note to add to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that you know, like I said, Weinstein's occasionally made the made a good choice. Yeah, like um, maybe five. You could probably count them on like one hand, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe. Well, two. I think I think it's an example of the Weinstein's Bob Weinstein who I, is, was not the one who committed a ton of sexual assault, but I do believe he got accused of sexual harassment, too. Yeah, I mean, like, they're, um, like, disgusting, horrible people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and either way, he covered up for his brother. But uh, I think he made the right thing of saying, like, hey, there hasn't been a murder for X number of pages, right? Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't go in and say, like, so now you got to kill this character. I think he did the right thing of letting the writer figure out what to do with that. Um, which I think is a better move for producers to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, people shit on producers all the time. We shit on producers all the time. Yes. But, like, a good producer has your back. They're like, you know, you're you're in the room. I think Yamamoto Toro gave this, like, metaphor where it's like, okay, the director's the one in the ring throwing the punches, taking the punches. The producer is, you know, Polly going up to mm-hmm. Rocky. Okay, what do you need? Massaging his shoulders, giving him water, dabbing the sweat away. Like, all right, what are you doing? What do you need? What can I help with? You sure that's the right call? Okay, good luck. Send them back into the ring. They go for the next round. They come back, you know, et cetera, et cetera, until the film's done. Del Toro famously had a uh, difficult relationship with the Weinsteins on the movie Mimic. Oh, please let me say the quote. Um, Guillermo Del Toro, uh, his father, for those that don't know, um, who has since passed away, but it was unrelated, he was taken hostage in Mexico, and um, the hostage takers... Uh, uh, eventually released him after after I believe they they pay they were paid off or mm-hmm. caught I I don't remember specifically which but everything worked out, um, and then Guillermo del Toro made Mimic. Now Guillermo del Toro would later say like a decade later that between his father being kidnapped and working with the Weinstein's, working with the Weinstein's was the the worst situation. <laughs> and wow. I just. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty... That's pretty fucked up. But uh, he's not the only person that feels that way, apparently. The only other thing I know about Mimic um, is that in the commentary for the director's cut, uh, Guillermo del Toro talks about a producer... <laughs> now, who could that be? <laughs> who said he couldn't hire Andre Brower in the male lead... Um, is that who it was? Let me check real quick. I'm just going to check real quick. Yeah, Andre Brower. It's Andre Brower um, from fucking... Uh, nowadays, I think he's most known for uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, who is a fucking fantastic actor. Fantastic actor. He couldn't hire him for the male lead because it would have been a black male lead and a white female lead. And a producer says, we can't do that. An unnamed producer <laughs> said they couldn't do that. <laughs> Now, is it one of the two producers with a history of being pieces of shit? Who can say? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a wild thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was I mean, still happening in 97. I know. Uh, 
you know, there's all this talk right now where like 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 everyone's coming down on like the Republicans are using critical race theory to basically censor all of school stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, well, kids can't be taught like to make themselves feel bad about American history. As a stupid teenager, I learned all this stuff and still just assumed racism was over. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, here's the thing. White people are stupid. <laughs> I say that as a white person. <laughs> you could teach them about every atrocity white people have committed, and they're just going to take away a young white high schooler's takeaway is going to be, man, I'm glad that's all over. <laughs> the only I mean... way that wouldn't be a take is if literally um, there were massive protests against police brutality every like three months in this country <laughs> which has nothing to do with a school curriculum <laughs> which is like a weird like what what's happening with critical race theory is like really bad and like sets a bad precedent and it's something we should worry about but it also to me has the feeling of like trying to shoot a bb gun at an oncoming train like it's just it's not going to stop kids learning about racism yeah it's not the kind of thing that you can kind of stamp out anymore yeah because like not just because it's on the news every day or because it's on social try. media every day. Oh, no, they definitely and, are going to try. And Absolutely. Do some damage in doing that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's one of the things where we can't, the post-racial myth is no longer possible. Mm-hmm. Um, unless this country does actually get post-racial. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, um, got a lot of work to do. <laughs> I won't bring it up here, but for the Scream 2 discussion, there there is a fucking fantastic twitter thread about the opening to that film and why it's just as brilliant as or maybe even the most brilliant thing to come out of the franchise Mm -hmm. but um and we'll talk about that that. yeah 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 Uh, well i i think i've said pretty much all i want to say um i got to talk about columbine again (laughs) sorry people no no whatever sorry um i could unfortunately give like a fucking massive like talk on the columbine killings and it's like reflections in media but more so than 9-11 probably jesus which is saying a lot oh my god um but hey uh so yeah screams brilliant do if you're a young screenwriter do not try and write about a school shooting it's a bad <laughs> idea yeah if you want to write something at a, at a young age get kind of get your feet wet just just write like the simple unmeta version of scream yes like it the first thing you write will not be good. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Cause you can like, you can make it good or figure out what doesn't work. And your next idea will be even better. You know? Yeah. Get, get that shit out of the way. Now, my favorite moment in scream, at least one of them that, that I, I always think about that. Just like my blood pressure totally like skyrocketed when I first saw it. Cause I didn't know who the killers were. When Stu and Randy are rushing to the front door, and Randy's like, Sydney. "Oh, that's a good scene, yeah." Yeah, and you don't, you're, you're like Sydney, you don't know who it is, or if it's both of them, and it's, oh my god, my, my brain was like firing like on all cylinders. When Randy I first saw is that. a really good red herring. Oh like, yeah, yeah, he's a he really knows good. all the quote unquote rules. He's, yeah, he knows he's... all the rules, and then there's like the opening, the first murder. There's very uh, all the the early stuff with the screen killer are tied to uh videos like they're like we're gonna rent a movie uh like uh sydney is talking about going out with tatum to like tatum's coming over with movies um fucking casey becker had just rented a movie before she was murdered and so like you could be like oh this is how randy knows they're gonna be alone right Mm -hmm. 
Like there's some good there's some good work in the screenplay to like set him up as a red herring. And then uh, not only is he not a red herring, but he's also a virgin, so he survives getting shot. <laughs> Weird edit on him getting shot, though, I gotta say. A little bit, yeah. Um, he, he does the, like, they did the, like, reflexive, like, he just kind of shifted his shoulder, and then they cut to him, like, flying across the room. <laughs> but hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah. It's a movie. Uh, also, someone who doesn't get a lot of, like, talk in this movie, because he's just kind of like a, a side character. Shout out to William Earl Brown as Kenny Jones, the cameraman. Oh, yes. Because... He's in that fucking guy, Deadwood. That character also just rules. Like, I like that character. Yeah, but um, I want to shout out for Deadwood because mm-hmm. that's like one of the fucking greatest shows ever made. And uh, he plays Bill in The Last of Us, mm-hmm. the 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 game, not the the show. Although they should have just brought him back for the show, frankly. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you know that character from the game, it's like, oh yeah, that's that's his Deadwood character. He <laughs> like, he's, it looks he's just great. like him. He's a great character actor. He's great in this, and I will say his cameraman. To bring up a reference I've made before on the podcast, um, he looks exactly like one of the game grumps. <laughs> really, the cameraman character specifically. All right, looks exactly like one of the game grumps. Oh, him and Gale are the game grumps. <laughs> hey, I'm grump. And much like I wanted to make very clear that the game grumps were dead on the. Cora podcast. <laughs> Guess who didn't make it out of the film? Like oh. Kenny the cameraman. R.I.P. Oh, Kenny. Kenny Jones. Is this post uh, South Park? We're not going there. We're not even. No, I just want to know. No, if, I know like, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, like if that's why he's named yeah. Kenny. No, <laughs> South Park's one year later. Oh, thank Christ. Although um, the viral uh, Spirit of Christmas video, like that, went viral before the internet. Um, was probably going around, and that's and they do say, "Oh my God, they killed Kenny in it." So, <sighs> you bastards! You bastards! No, I was calling all of you bastards for listening, you like bastards. watching South Park. Man, it would be really cool if South Park had gone off the air like ten years ago. Yeah, I mean that's kind of that thing where it's like anything sticks around like long enough, it's it's gonna become like it just is the, the establishment. Yeah, right? like like things need to end, mm-hmm. you know. And honestly, that's what I'm kind of worried about with, like, Scream. Because, like, every sequel is, like, tackling something, even though they're structurally very similar to the first movie. Because if it ain't broke, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, sticks around long enough, it's like, you yeah, know, what they're going to try to franchise really... it, like, even further, like, in the spinoffs and stuff. Because that's just the way everything works now. It's like, what more is there even really to say with Scream, you know? Yeah, I mean, not, not to show my cards too much, but if you follow me on Letterboxd, you know how I feel about Scream 4. And I don't know what else you do. Like, I guess you can kind of do, like, the the reboot remake thing, but Scream 4 already Scream 4 already kind of did that. And yeah. then, like, maybe there's a social media angle you could do a little more. But I also think Scream 4 did a little Scream bit of that. Scream 4 does that. I, I think Scream 4 is 10 years early on... Yeah, Scream 4 Logan was, like, Paul. early. Yeah. I think and... if that movie comes out now, people are like, this is a masterpiece or at least Mm -hmm. this is like on par with the first film or fucking either way like people will recognize like it's at least going for something like genuinely inventive and smart not just like clever and winking Mm -hmm. like a lot of the scream ripoffs try to do you know yeah but like I, i think it's really touching at the heart of of new media in a way but um i don't know i mean i i liked ready or not a lot 
Yeah, yeah. I just worry it's just gonna kind of be like basic, like oh, the rich suck or something, like. Which you know, I mean, fine. at the very least, that's not the wrong approach. Yeah, it'll yeah. be like I think it'll be fine. Is really it'll have to be really good to be good, you know? Yeah. Like, like I'm we'll excited, we'll but see. I it am super worried. It could it could surprise us? Yeah. Um. Anyway, we went for two hours on Scream. Yeah, Scream. Scream's fantastic. Five stars across the board. Yeah, masterpiece. Um, um, Nev Campbell also should have been a, a bigger star. She's kind yeah. of starting to come back a little bit. I think she also became like a mom. That's also yeah. kind of the reason. But wasn't she also in a documentary that was kind of about like trying to get movies financed? Was she? I mean, I believe that because like and... I'm sure that's why she did like fucking Skyscraper. Remember Skyscraper? Uh-huh. Well, no, she did. She did a movie. If I remember correctly, she did a movie where it was about trying to get movies financed. And I don't think she was in it. Like, I mean, I don't think she like made it, but she was in it. And there was like all this stuff where like producers kept saying no because they didn't want her as the lead of the film. I think that was her. I could be thinking of a different actress though. Okay, yeah, because I, I I did not know about that. Oh, uh, she's a. Mev Campbell's a Jew who converted to Catholicism. Oh. Welcome to my old my old abode. Um, why? I don't know. <laughs> All right, that was Scream. Go go watch it. Pro- join us for the next time when we probably talk about every sequel at the same time. Maybe. Or we don't. We'll or we see. Don't. We will see what happens. You'll see what happens. Until then, Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. And get early access to scream whatever sequels we talk about and then uh, we'll be back to talk about scream five also known as just scream we'll see how that goes thanks for listening everyone thanks for watching that's what it should have been called scream five no just scream just scream. <laughs> sure there we go we solved it we're brilliant we, we will see the tone and like the vibe of it and we'll determine whether or not it's the best decision to call it scream or the worst decision to call it scream yes uh, but until then we have been professionally unprofessional happy new year bye 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 don't answer the phone don't open the door don't try to hide everybody's a suspect